I have no aptitude for that whatsoever. Welcome to the SoxCast. Relax. It's just a phase. You'll you'll grow out of it. It's the SoxCast, episode 21. I am your host, Polly, and I am quite adept at the gentle art of making enemies. And to my immediate virtual right, he keeps coming back smaller and smaller and smaller. It's Rhett. Hi. How's it going, Rhett? Pretty good. You ready to You ready to get a good old-fashioned podcast a-going? Yeah, it's been three weeks since we did one of these. Yeah, it's been quite a while. Yeah, definitely. You know, in uh, in the SoxCast timeline, E3 has definitely not happened yet. So, <laughs> no, it hasn't. So it's. I think that it would be really cool and really fun as we go around the old horn here to kind of, uh, let's see, everybody make a big, wild, crazy prediction for this year's E3. Like me, I'm going to say... Uh, Fuck it, you know, so Sony's going to show uh, The Last Guardian this year, sure. You think, you think I, it's time? <laughs> I think it's, if it's not, if it's, if now is not the time, when the hell is the time? So, I don't think it's going to show up there, because I don't think it's ever going to show up. I'm, Y'all. I am going to be that one last bit of, of, of holding out hope that, yeah, they're totally going to. Mm-hmm. I think totally. we can just say, I think we can just keep saying, if it's not this year, it's, it'll, if, if it's not this year, it's never coming out, and then we just keep saying that year after year, and I think it's just done. <laughs> I think it's a, I think it's a good long running joke that we can at least keep alive. Okay. It's, so if anything, I'm uh, if anything, I'm holding tight to, tradi- to tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Rhett, you got a prediction for E3? What's going on? Uh, how about Shenmue Three? <laughs> what? You know, right? Like what? Yeah. <laughs> Are you shitting? <laughs> Red, like the last time we heard about fucking Shenmue was like on the like original Xbox, okay? Like I don't. The fans keep demanding it. Yeah, the fans keep demanding Mega Man Legends three, and look where that's at. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. Hey, maybe that'll show up too. Oh yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. I'm just like like, Sega can't even manage to like make Sonic games really. Like Like, they make Sonic mobile games. Maybe somebody will buy the rights from them. Who knows? (laughs) Maybe (laughs) Sega won't be doing it. Yeah, maybe you Suzuki is just gonna be all. Yeah, <laughs> totally, guys. It's really time. We're finally gonna, you know, bring out part three of my quote unquote thirty part masterpiece. <laughs> yeah. 30, 30 fucking parts to that story. I think was was what uh, the original plan was. What? And you think they're fine? You think they're finally gonna get around to having one tenth of it complete? <sighs> wasn't, wasn't Shenmue two actually several parts? Like, I think even by then he was like, oh, we got to speed this up. <laughs> maybe, maybe I don't know because I don't really care about the games that much. Yeah. So Shenmue they, three, they seem, they seem like really like their existence is charming. They're like life simulator, yeah, kung fu movie things. That's, I've only played the first one, but that is such a weird game. Yeah, exactly. Like, they went back and got weather reports from the eighties to make it accurate. 
like so that's freaking nice. weird. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I think it's impossible to like hate that to like actually feel any dislike towards that game. It's just well, so. It did invent quick time events, so. <laughs> Fair enough. So that's your your big. Uh, yeah, you're gonna pl- sure. you're gonna place Fuck it all it. on fucking Shenmue three. <laughs> all right, and to my immediate virtual left, he is an angel headed for a land of sunshine. <laughs> it's John Fire. Hi, how's it going, John? Pretty well. You're going pretty good. So yep. we've heard. Okay. So, like, you're gonna... I'm gonna follow suit and ask you about the E3 thing, too. So we've heard, like, one logical explanation and one completely asinine, I don't even know... I don't even know if I'm gonna keep it in. I don't even think he's taking it seriously by saying... By looking at my face and fucking saying Shenmue 3. (laughs) You're gonna look me in the eye and you're gonna... Shenmue 3. Mega Man, final. It'll lead into the X Games. (laughs) So, um... To, to, to be fair, John, I'm going to see if you can maybe throw me something a little more reasonable than fucking Shenmue 3. Okay. Hear me out. Um, Nintendo just put Earthbound out on Virtual Console, right? And they made a pretty big deal uh, about yeah. that in the process. They like did like Subway kind of uh, um, cool. advertisements and stuff it. For was pretty it. successful, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like, I guess it's kind of weird if you, like, you know, you claim your next generation system, you know, we should get that for, you know, an, a, 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 a Super Nintendo game, but why not? Yeah. yeah. So, like, people, and, and they're um, putting Lucas onto DLC for the Super Smash Brothers 4. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, it seems like they're kind of trying to build up momentum, and who knows, it might be building up momentum to releasing Mother 3 in the States, but it would, which would be rad, obviously. Um, but... The but. next logical step, um, they haven't translated Mother 3. That would be a huge commitment. Yeah, that's, that's a roadblock uh, yeah. in the way there, for sure. Yeah. So they probably want to just, like, make a big deal of it with, like, a big collection or something. Release um, the three games. Mm-hmm. I think what they would do next is just, like, take that crappy old old Earthbound Zero ROM, put it out on Wii U Virtual Console... And um, that that's already some, been translated, hasn't it? Because yeah, I think it's Nintendo, already exists. It, yeah. It's literally just this 25-year-old ROM that they can just throw on there, maybe give it a different name than Earthbound Zero, like Earthbound Origins or whatever. And, yeah. And then if pe- a bunch of people buy it then and then complain about how grindy it is, then maybe it'll lead to something nicer. Wow, so, so you're going with Earthbound Zero, which I yeah. think I, I think like you've rationalized that you've mm-hmm. made it you've made it sound believable. You're yeah. not you're not actively spitting in my face like Rhett did. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. This is pretty long shot. I you think, think so? Played, and for what it's worth, I played Earthbound Zero with the um with the GBA version with the fancy um, hack patch that made it easier. Mm-hmm. Um, in that context, I think that game is really really good and important. Um, it, it's basically just smoothing over all the really rough parts um, from the original ROM, um, and I feel like that good essence is still there. Even it's just a lot harder to get at because of all the grindy stuff. All right, all right. So I will take Earthbound Zero as uh, I'm writing these down, just so that like when you're all wrong, I can you know do something about that. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. But we're going to do something. I know that I'm probably at least... I think I'm still the most likely candidate for an announcement. Earthbound rises. Oh, (laughs) jeez. And we have a special guest on the hamper seat for this very special episode. He is a prolific streamer. 
Everybody loves him and adores him. Uh, he is uh, the b- probably the biggest Faith No More fan I know, other than myself. And uh, he hides his dirty minutes under his dirty mattress, and they're making him itch. It's Poncho Smith. My time is spilt milk, but I'm glad to have been spending it with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> We're the only ones that get that, Poncho. I know, I know. Oops. <laughs> Good. I just need the desk you just, face. You just fell down if, if and my, broke your No, collar. if my desk had a face, I wouldn't need it there. That's a good... If you're going to need a desk, I think, you know, right in the face is where I would go to. How are you doing? So we've heard... Okay, so we've heard some pretty logical um, E3 predictions so far. Uh, and then Rhett, like I said, wanted to spit all over this entire <laughs> idea of a podcast. He just ripped his pants down and bent a big old curly on it. So, um, Poncho, I'm going to ask you to name your E3 prediction. What have you got for us? Well, call me crazy and call me biased being as big of a Final Fantasy VII fanboy as I am a Mike Patton fanboy. Um, I'm just feeling it for some reason. It's been hinted at for years, but I think now is the prime opportunity for it. It might happen, it might not happen, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and say uh, we're finally getting a Final Fantasy VII remake. real you're crazy how much do you think it would cost to make something like that and yeah, where that game is really like big and making that thing on next gen hardware remember that like the only way they could afford to make final fantasy 13 was like make farming out a bunch of different assets to a bunch of different people and just say make whatever shit you want and then we'll try to bring it together into a tube Holiday um, simulator so and they had to just have a bu- people make a bunch of pretty hallways, and then they still had to make two sequels to recoup their losses. So, so, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, not gonna, really feeling Final Fantasy VII there. I don't. I, th- I don't think that this is laughable as fucking Shenmue Three, but I'm writing uh, your I'm writing your prediction down right next to Rhett's. Like they just announced Final Fantasy VII, the PS1 version coming to PS4. Yeah, it's just like why would they do both? Silly. You, you, you're going to stick with that as your final answer, huh? I, I understand everyone's skepticism, but I'm sticking with that. I'll even go a little bit further. Uh, E3 2018, Final Fantasy Remake 2, Half-Life 3, <laughs> and an animated series based off of Splatoon. I would totally be into that. You'd have I, me day one. I would, I would watch the Splatoon animated series. I don't usually get into E3 hype, but if that's what's happening in 2018, like, yo... Like, we will sponsor E3. This will be an E3-sponsored podcast, because we're totally still going to be yeah. going in three years. I think that'll that's as sure as a prediction as I can make, honestly. Cool, cool. So, Poncho Smith, we've seen you around. We, we, we know you a bit from the community, a bit from the Twitter box, a bit from the, a bit from the old uh, Twitch streaming. Um, who the hell are you, and what do you do? That's a very good question with uh, many different answers, but uh, I guess I couldn't keep it simple. Who is this, you know, this suave man of mystery (coughs) bullshit? Um, I don't know. Let's see. Uh, Now, this is the part I didn't write down in show notes. 
Yeah, everybody, get, get you know, buckle up. This guy's spent the last three weeks taking notes. Like this podcast is homework. Yeah, and and I, and I ended up you know like this anyway. But I, I, I guess I am a mild mannered cooking slash karaoke slash video game streaming enthusiast who, uh, for whatever reason, fell into this crowd. Uh, the story of that happening. Um, I imagine it's a lot like a few others who are probably listening. Kind of found the um, uh, the Final Fantasy VII articles, Mister Pat's articles. Um, uh, found them through Hardcore Gaming 101. Got to the rest of them. Uh, got sucked into um, all those fancy game lists with everyone having their own Mega Man esque sprite. <laughs> um, that eventually led to you know sort of browsing the forums. And a few years after that. Uh, when the whole social media thing started to take off with, you know, the forum, sc- the forum springs and the Twitters, uh, you know, at that point I was pretty new to Twitter and was looking for someone who wasn't a, uh, uh some, someone who wasn't already, uh, world famous, I guess, uh, to sort of follow, sort of, sort of pad that out. Uh, so, so I, I guess I started by finding Polly on Twitter, following her, and for some inexplicable reason, I was followed back. This bitch thinks oh. I'm not world famous. You get this bitch? You hear this bitch? Wow, I should just bitch slap you right off my punk. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. So, I think we've got to start with the most important order of the day. Yeah. Sol Invictus. Astounding! It, it, it nearly brought me to tears. What Sol Invictus? Sol Invictus. It's the uh, comeback album by Faith No More. Oh, and it is. Okay. I was wondering fantastic. if it was like a legacy of Cain thing. From its <laughs> opening moments to its closing crescendo, it is just a masterful little thirty-nine minutes of audio wonder. Rad. If I can rip off a tagline, it's everything you expect from Faith No More, yet nothing you'd expect from Faith No More. (laughs) I read a review shortly after it came out that was like, this sounds exactly what I would expect a Faith No More album to sound like. Three out of ten. It's like, well, what do you want? Like, what are these guys that have created, you know, these iconic albums over the course of their career and have had, you know, spectacular you know, solo careers. Like, what else would you expect them to do when they got back together other than create something that is unique to them? A Russian dubstep ballet, perhaps. They're not corn. Come on. Yeah. But, you know, I, I'm astounded how much that this album, you know, kind, kind of sunk in to me, you know? Um... I, I, hard to, I, really, I, find, hard I, to really find any complaints other than it's a little on the short side, but... Yeah. You know, just spin it again if you want to. Yeah, definitely. I'm more than like I've definitely had moments where it's just like I will listen to that album four times in a row just cuz it it just gels so well and it it flows so well into itself. Yeah, from the closing track back to the opening, you know, little the the first, you know, chords on the piano, it's just like it just flows really really well. Good stuff. I mean, as a cohesive thing, it stands together great, but the so many individual tracks are just, you know, just they just blow me away. It's like when, uh, I think, like, Motherfucker was the first track that they, uh... It was they, the first one released as the single, and, you know, I know a lot of folks were skeptical about that. Um, I heard that and thought, this is, fan- like, this is an excellent, like, welcome back. Because, I mean, it... 
even though it's a track that's like right towards the end of the album, it sounds like an introduction track to me. And I know that they've been starting a lot of their shows on uh, the current tour with it. And it's just like, it's a brilliant welcome back uh, to me. Uh, what I think the way it builds up, you know, the way, you know, just the way the lyrics flow, the way everything happens on that song is just like, yes, this is Faith No More, and they're back doing the awesome thing that they do. I'm actually taken a quite quite a bit aback by by the fact of you know how many Soul Invictus tracks are making it into the set list. In some cases, it's making up the majority of those set lists. And I think that's really awesome when you consider a band like that that has such you know, a history of, like, iconic songs that, you know, they're confident enough to just put most of the new material into their set, you know, without blinking, and then, like, crowds definitely seem to be digging it. Uh, I think that's really awesome, because you don't find that a lot, especially with uh, artists that have, like, a really long history of tunes. They usually just kind of, like, slip two or three in, you know, for the newer people, and then stick to what works, but... Uh, yeah. I've definitely been happy to see that they've been busting out a lot of the stuff uh, from Sol Invictus. Yeah, and and then you know when when the reunion tour was already you know a few years underway, that was one of my biggest fears. You know, would they have anything new to offer on top of that? I mean, you know, I actually saw them live back in 2010, uh, back in my old hometown of Brooklyn, New York. Uh, when that happened, the instant that you know became possibility, I, I jumped at that chance, and that's the. Uh, I'd imagine um, Dan still is still quite grateful for, um, you know, that little uh, college graduation present come early. Oh, Dan, Dan being my, my brother and occasional streaming sidekick, particularly for the uh, Final Fantasy streams for um, uh, those keeping score. But uh, back, back to um, uh, uh, to Faith No More for a bit. You know, there was always this niggling fear in the back of my head that, um, you know, they would turn into the Rolling Stones, basically, you know, become this touring uh, greatest hits act. And, you know, I am a bit relieved to see that, you know, instead of just, you know, kind of resting on their laurels, they're just, you know, really building on that and in a pretty impressive way. Yeah. And uh, from what I hear there, there could be another album from them as early as uh, early next year uh, that they've still got material from those sessions that they want to go back to the studio and pound out. So hopefully, you know, a, a, follow, a quick follow-up to Saul Invictus won't be that far behind. It, it'll come between the next couple of Tomahawk and Mondo Kane records. Yes, certainly. yes, yes. I'm waiting for another Peeping Tom record, personally. Uh, okay, so now that we've bored Rhett and John to death... Oh, uh, yeah. Um... Well, as we as we typically do on this grand little podcast here, why don't you give us a a, a, a rundown of what the hell you've been up to? Um, well, as you mentioned before, and and much to my surprise, honestly, um, I am quite the prolific streamer. I don't know if I'm just bored or what, but I try to knock out a couple of things or at least something once a week. Um, the big project I've been been involved with as of late is, of course, um, the Final Fantasy VII stream, which I just do, uh, which I, um, you know, for, for probably my own amusement more than anyone else's, I just decided to, you know, let, let, let me invite um, to, to my, my goofy brother and his even goofier roommate, to you know, just plop down on the couch while I um, you know play uh, play a game on Steam. I come up with all these nonsensical uh, names and voices for some of the characters. Uh, there's a bit of a story behind some of the naming conventions behind um, you know the naming characters. I just don't go with Cloud. Uh, 
So, so I, I go out of my way to sort of bastardize it uh, as much as I can in a pretty vicious but loving way. Mm-hmm. And and you get and you get drinks spilled on you. I, I do get drinks spilled <laughs> on me. Entire glasses broken. Yeah. So I think this was like during the second or third episode. Uh, and of course, being uh, young men of a certain age, do like to consume their alcoholic beverages. And they do like to, you know, sort of fuck around and, uh, you know, all of that business. So Dan was on one side with some type of disgusting cocktail mix. Uh, Shige, who is the other co-host and, you know, other denizen of the apartment I live at, um, they both decided to clink glasses over me, or at least in front of me, in front of my face. So they go ahead to clink glasses while I'm playing and I'm reading off whatever's happening on the screen. Uh, One of the glasses breaks, deposits all of its contents onto my lap, all the ice, all the booze, all the... uh, frozen watermelon, all the broken glass. Broken glass? Yeah. It was a great reaction. (laughs) Yeah, everything kind of, like, shut down, and, like, the screen was... Well, it probably wasn't silent, because I played it back, and, like, Dan was talking, like, okay, he's probably going to kill us when when he gets back. (laughs) Yep. And... You know, I I guess you gotta keep things rolling to capture impromptu things like that. You know, um, I, I've had all sorts of strange things happen on stream. I've I, I've had, um, I mean, n- nothing to that extent, but uh, I, I I've had the game, you know, sort sort of crash on me before. I'm still having, um, I do occasionally have a brain fart and you know do some really stupid or overlook some really simple uh, technical thing that just kind of. You know, wreck stuff up. There's a good story about that when I talk about, you know, other games I've been up to uh, a little bit later on. Um, I've had Dan attempt several times to try to shove, well, not shove the microphone up his ass, but, um, you know, at least fart on it, you know, to, I guess that's what he considers, you know, blessing. That is not a small microphone. I believe we have the same blue snowball. Yeah. I got a a purple blue, purple blue, a, a blue brand microphone snowball uh the color purple for uh for my birthday which was a couple weeks back and i i've used it quite a few times uh since then and i'm I'm quite i'm quite happy with uh, the results so far Mm. it just needs to be christened i think you should just let him fart on it and be over and, and just be done with it because i think like after he does it he won't care anymore uh, he, he he still tries to rip one off, you know, every chance he gets when when we're streaming live. So I I, I don't think I can I can I, I can really prevent that from happening. If he farts like at any time during this recording, it'd be like the perfect podcast to do it on. Honestly. Well, I I, I kind of barricaded the door behind me, so I don't think that's going to be an issue. But <laughs> you never know. So, uh, I, I I moved the bed so he can't get in. Jesus Christ. But yeah, Final Fantasy VII, um, yeah, so, so I try to screw around a bit, uh, screw around, excuse me, um, with, with like all these nonsensical voices and then character names. Um, I, I changed Cloud's name to the shit. For obvious reasons, yeah. Uh, but but also um, when we when I when I first played this game, and this was like back during like ninety eight, ninety nine, two thousand, something within that time frame. Uh, my 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 dad actually bought the uh, the PC version 
of it um guy gave it to us as a, a christmas gift mm-hmm. and he had already played final fantasy one on the on the on, on the nes he had played the super nintendo games uh four and six they were known as two and three at that time uh so he kind of had a working knowledge of final fantasy at that point mm-hmm. um so so he he decides to give it a go he, he he's the first one to try it out and he notices that this little spiky-haired dude is kind of, you know, he's acting like a big shot. He's acting like he's the shit. So he named the character the shit. And I basically <laughs> stole that idea from my father. And I remembered it all these years. So I'm, I, I, I'm recycling that idea. Thank you, Dad. Happy Father's Day. Good weekend to be giving a shout out to your dad. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and everyone else in the game. I, I just try to rip from you know real life and online acquaintances. Obviously, a shower dump, aka Barrett, is an homage <laughs> to uh, our dear friend Eric at uh, Eric's Joystick. At uh, uh, Twitch.tv/slash Eric's Joystick. Exactly, exactly. Uh, he takes dumps in the shower. Yeah. Palapsos, you know, he, he's the biggest, most imposing, you know, figure out of, you know, anyone I can think of here. Yeah, so, yeah. So that was the most appropriate name. Uh, obviously, you had to be the uh, the titular Tifa character. Titular. Because <laughs> yeah. she's got I don't tits. think exactly. that's what that word means. That's not what that word means. <laughs> Words change, language evolve. If, <laughs> if the game was named Tifa Fantasy, um, then she would be the titular character. <laughs> But if we're going to just say that it's because she has gigantic tits, she can be the titular <laughs> character. Exactly. Well, I'm, uh, I'm glad you didn't name her after it, Harris. <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of fun to do. We like to, um, or I like to plop little uh, dumb spoilers because, you know, why why not wreck things for everyone? Oh. But, but that just to give you an example of how I go about doing things... Um, and when I'm not playing Final Fantasy VII or when I'm not streaming Final Fantasy VII, um, I do a couple of uh, other other types of streams. Uh, a, a, a few ideas that I do specifically with um, uh, my real-life uh, friend and uh, karaoke sidekick, Tracy. So... Right. So, so there's a bit of a story behind this, too. Obviously, um, Polly, you remember the swell. I started streaming. My very first stream on hitbox was january 1st of this year uh you were the very first guest i had on yeah and the very first game i streamed was analog a hate story Mm -hmm. which sadly which sadly i was unable i neglected to record meaning that when january 1st 2015 comes around we're obviously doing a mulligan on that okay (laughs) i'll remember all of my um, lines yeah I'll be sure to remind you. But but anyway, I, I described my streaming experience to Tracy, and she asked, oh, what was what was this about? What was the story about? Uh, uh, something about robot waifus in space, feudal, neo-feudal Korea, a uh, little bit of lesbian smut here. What did you yeah, say? Yeah. So, so, that, so that got her attention, and, you know, and I said, you know, okay, I'll, 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 I'll have you play along. Uh, we'll, we'll get you involved in here somehow. So I had her watch a couple of streams. I actually had her sit on, sit in on one, too. And um, 
since it was kind of tricky to get her to read the lines over Skype, over Skype, excuse me, uh, without, you know, sort of the inherent time lag, I figured, why don't we just have her over to the apartment so we can both read these lines together? Mm. And uh, that became its own thing. So not only did we get involved with uh, analog, um, I decided to uh, do a little experiment. Uh, and by that, I mean torture her by giving her a game that many would consider to be, you know, aimed squarely at the heart of, you know, the old school uh, platform action purists. Absolutely. And, and, and I, I, I convinced her to play Shovel Knight on stream. Yeah, that that <laughs> I would have started with something simpler. <laughs> well, I, I figured it, it by, by it, it was it, it quickly became such a well known and well regarded game. It seemed like an okay place to start. I figured that you know at the very least the first area would you know hold her hand for a little bit. So we had her in, um, and we tried to do well. We did eventually finish the first level. Yeah. Uh, you know the introduction stage, the one that sort of you know teaches you uh, all the mechanics of the game, or sort of eggs you on into teaching yourself uh, the mechanics. Mm-hmm. And um, from what I can, from what I, from my understanding is that that opening stage, for most players with a little bit of experience in this sort of genre, about ten, fifteen minutes. Just leaving her alone to her own devices. Uh, <laughs> it, she, she, it took her, I believe, seventy-four minutes to get past the first stage. Yeah, that was so. So, so, so after after we concluded that episode, I kind of had to recalibrate strategy a little bit to make things a little more fairer. Plus, she's unfortunately leaving town in August, and I kind of want to get this done, and I also want to get Hate Plus done. Because um, we're continuing the whole, you know, analog hate plus that kind of deal. Uh, hope hopefully, Lady Killer in a Bind comes out before August. I don't know if it will or not. I but sincerely doubt. I don't think that that's yeah. even slated for this year. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, that is nice. But fun following anyway. that project's development, though. But 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 anyway, um, just just so so in subsequent Shovel Knight streams, I, I figured okay, so let let me let me be a bit more conciliatory here. Um, th- this is going to be um, you know, kind of a tag team sort of effort. All the um tricky sort of platforming sections that you know tend to take up a lot of time. I'm giving her the option to sort of tag out and let me go ahead and you know get a lot of those areas out of the way, which I can do pretty well at this point because I've beaten the game like like four fucking times already. Because you think uh, that because you uh-huh. think that she needs a man to do it for her. I see I see how you, I see how you're uh, I see how you're positioning this Poncho. I was about to get all judgy, like, oh my god, you, why would you start with Shovel Knight? That's insensitive because like the first time I played like a platform with Anna I pulled out Kirby's epic yarn. Yeah. But then I remembered when I like sat her down when she no, I was playing Mega Man X, and then she was like, "Can I try?" And then oh god, we watched for like an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think I actually watched watched that 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 clip on YouTube. Uh huh. Trying to make that one jump in Chill Penguin stage. <laughs> Not even just, starting her on the first stage. No, no, she she played she played the first stage. Oh, and I was yeah. like the first forty five minutes, and I wasn't recording it. And then I thought, wait, this is gold. <laughs> How can I be a total dick to my wife? <laughs> <laughs> we weren't married yet. I don't know. Watching people suffer can be funny. Oh, I absolutely <laughs> adore it. I mean, my favorite part was my favorite part in that clip was when she just started the game. She died, 
and then respawned at the start and then just sat there for like <laughs> 10 seconds just like I have, have to, to meditate and reflect on really? your life choices really it was pretty great <laughs> so 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 anyway um we're, we're splitting the tasks in half. I'll do the really tricky um, platforming sections just to get through the levels, just as a time-saving precaution. But she has agreed that, to the extent of her ability, she fights the bosses on her own. So she was able to take care of King Knight without too much trouble. Spectre Knight, we had to make that into a two-parter. Yeah, that one... It's a bit rough. Very early. That, that's, that's, that's quite the difficulty spike, you know, yeah. very early on in the game. Yeah, he's pretty rough. So... Technically, I kind we kind of cheated a little bit on that. Um, she she did most of the damage. Then when she got to near dead, I said, "Okay, stop. Hand it off to me. Let me use a potion because you know we're we're still working down some of the uh, you know button finger coordinations and all, all of that stuff." So I used a potion, refilled the health, or, you know, Icor, I guess, uh, handed the controller back to her, and uh, she eventually did it. Actually killed, uh, in her words, a skeleton dick. Skeleton dick. Yeah. I don't think he's actually a skeleton, but, you know. There were skeletons in the stage, and he had skeleton familiars, so it... And he probably has a dick. Yeah. I mean, he's a knight. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't a <laughs> yeah. knight have a dick? Yeah. So, so, and then we eventually made it through, um... Uh, made it through uh, Treasure Knight's uh, stage. Treasure Knight. And, and most impressive to me, she actually killed Treasure Knight on her first try. Yeah, Treasure Knight was... Life. That was an impressive fight, so much so that I thought, wait, like, did he take over there for a second? Or did she actually do that? Because she made that fight look real easy. And, 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 and yeah, yeah, she did. She did. And then I, I was very impressed. I, I was very proud. And, 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 I, and, I, and I let her know that, you know, there, there are obvious signs of improvement. She, she's improving at this, you know. She, she, she was skeptical herself about, you know, going about this. And she never owned a console of her own growing up. And her video game experience to that point had been limited to playing, um, you know, any of the Smash Brothers games. And uh, <laughs> I know, I know. And, and then picking characters with, with the ability of flight to, you know, just sort of stay above the entire fray. <laughs> you know, since, since jumping doesn't exactly come easy to her. But, you know, she's she's been a good sport thus far. And, you know, I, I, you know, I, I promised um, if she, you know, played along with this, I'd, you know, give out more, um, you know. I, I would dive into hate plus, you know. Needed a fresh start after I blew up my AI waifus uh, in the previous game. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. There's tricky console commands. Yeah. <laughs> cool. What else you been into? Well, let's see. Outside of the streaming stuff, uh, video game-wise, uh, there are a few things I would like to, you know, sort of touch on. Uh, most recently, I've been... Um, tinkering around with uh let's see what did i have in my show notes oh yes uh because i know how much everybody loves and absolutely admires tim schaefer here oh <laughs> i'm playing some grim fandango remastered oh neat yeah I've, i'm totally on board with grim fandango yeah. remastered just as long as i don't have to give double fine money for yeah. it <laughs> i mean so 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 my previous experience had had been um my been playing for Psychonauts a couple of years back, which I enjoyed for the most part. Not a bad game, not um, at all. Yeah. yeah. Um, as far as Grim Fandango goes, um, 
I, I, I love the game world. I love, you know, how the characters interact with each other or how, you know, uh, Manny Calavera interacts with them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like, um, just give me, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, weird and zany, but I also appreciate that it gives off some of these, you know, film noir vibes. In oh, a way. absolutely. You know, um, you know, I can't complain about the writing and, um, you know, I really go out of my way to squeeze out every last line of dialogue out of, you know, anyone I can find, mm-hmm. you know, um, Oh, why did I write this? This is going to be corny as fuck. For a world full of skeletons, things are really fleshed out. Uh, <laughs> I get it. Yeah. We know you do, um, John. Yeah, I we mean, know I mean, you do. Yeah. I, 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 I had, to get my, um, had to get my two cents in there. So. Good God. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it can feel a little clunky, and I'm not even bothering with trying to do the puzzles too much on my own. You know, because, you know, I have a guide in another window right there because I really don't give two shits about the puzzle. Honestly, adventure ga- that comes from an era when adventure game logic yeah. was just so archaic and very internalized to the team that was creating it. It's like, yeah, it makes sense to those guys, but it makes absolutely no sense to anybody else. Yeah, I'm, I'm not finding any kind of stick gem in mouth or, you know, tie telephone to cat kind of puzzles just yet, but it can be a little too... Obtuse. Adventure gamey for my liking, yeah. But you know, so so I can really forego those parts. With those but, games, yeah. I, I usually bang my head against it for a while, and I have no qualms about just looking up an answer because I don't play adventure games a lot of the time for you know the puzzle content. I play it for the very reasons that you are currently playing this one. It's just like I want to hear the funny interactions and talk to the people and enjoy the story. Yeah, yeah. So there's that. Um, Another game that's been a pretty big time sink for me, particularly the last couple of months, uh, is Crypt of the Necro Dancer. Hell uh, yes! Very recently got a um, uh, the full thing got released. I know that um, yeah, I Eric actually gave it to me as a bit of a gift uh, late last year. Oh, you know, that's cool. back in September. He's, he's he's a wonderful, wonderful man with a massive heart. A wonderful man with a massive heart and his own Twitch channel at Twitch.tv/slash Eric's Joystick. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Um, so, so they released the final build uh, of, of, of Necrodancer, the full game, with the, um, the final stage, Zone 4, and a final boss fight. Um, and like the rest of the game, when you, you know, like every other level that you try for the first 100 times, uh, the fourth zone will absolutely wreck your shit. I saw somebody uh, get to the fourth zone on their first time. I think it was Grimm's. Uh, yeah. They got to the, like, and just like, not even 20 seconds into the zone, it was just like, you're done. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there are all sorts of weird little things. Um, you know, all, all the enemies have, you know, these, these really... I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily complex, but you do got to pay attention, or else you're not getting anywhere. Yeah. Um, I, I, I do like some of the newer characters you're allowed to play as. Uh, Melody, for example, only has, like, one weapon, but if you can figure out, you know, how to, how to you know, work that the way it's supposed to, you'll just, you know, tear through the whole game like that i've actually done multiple uh, melody runs you know pretty pretty successfully i think um the aria runs aren't happening for me at this point in time because that's basically one hit you're dead uh one missed beat and you're dead yeah that's pretty hardcore (laughs) that's a little on the brutal side but you know, but, maybe I'll get around to it a little later on. Maybe I'll fuddle around with some of the other characters because they seem pretty interesting. Um, I should point out that 
you know, they're all like three different soundtracks to the game. Mm-hmm. You have the standard, um, you know, Necro Dancer soundtrack. You have the sort of more uh, focused on sort of the, you know, techno electric, you know, synth pop kind of soundtrack. And you have, you know, believe it or not, a heavy metal themed soundtrack. Oh, you for gotta real? Have, you know, you, you got to have that metal in a dance game. And doesn't that game also have the ability to import your own tunes as well? I believe you do. I, I haven't tried it yet, but I think, I think it's got to might... have. I think it's got to have a pretty standard, non-changing uh, tempo, though. Like you can, I don't think you could throw in something that's like prog metal and then you know oh. try to do each uh, section. Like I think it has to just be like a straight dun dun dun. You've got to be able to four four it. I think. I'll try that with Angel Dust at some point. Hopefully, it shakes out. Have we mentioned that Faith No More is awesome, by the way? <laughs> yes. And that Angel Dust is a great album that everybody a- should listen to? Angel Dust is the best album not named Revolver. Yes, yes. Uh, I would I would skip the real thing. Like, I don't think that that album is as great as a lot of people think I, it I is. Think, I think it has its place. I think it has its moments. I, 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 do, I, I will say that a number of songs on that album, uh, you know, um, you can basically pinpoint to an exact week in 1989. Yeah, uh, there there are some. I, I I think half of it, at least, you know, stands the test of time. Oh, definitely. I think the first half of that record is pretty stellar. I think everything, everything between uh, starting from from out of nowhere, mm-hmm. going to the real thing, track yes. wise, yeah. you know, basically flawless. Mm-hmm. I, I, once you get into underwater love, uh, yeah. you know, um, I, I I do have a soft spot in my heart for that song. Mm-hmm. You know, just just because you know, I, I I would imagine that's the that that would be the one track that everyone goes, yeah, this didn't age so well. And then, but you and, know, it, and it's you a also, silly song. It's a sweet little song, but you know, and it, you also it, fucked underwater. Yeah, yeah. That that's the best way to fuck. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Okay, um, um. Let's see. <laughs> Other nice games. Side, Other nice games. side tangent. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll, I'll try to keep the references to a minimum. I won't. Uh, so this was from a couple of months ago, but I found out that I, I really like the uh, Mighty Switch Four series. All those two of them. Are, those games are pretty good. Or 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 maybe like like two and a half. I would say one of them maybe. Is technically... I would say one and a half because I really don't. Cons- <laughs> I don't consider two to be kind of like as full fledged a sequel as it should have been. Well, I, I was meaning Mighty Switch Force, then Mighty Switch Force HD Hyperdrive Edition. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I was uh, getting at. Uh, Switch Force HD was actually one of the very first uh, Wii U games I bought off of uh, eShop. Because nice. I, I, I don't remember where I read it, but I knew you were singing the game's praises pretty well. Oh, yeah, I and, loved the first you know, so, so I took the plunge. Uh, I bought that with another recent WayForward title I'll get to in just a little bit. Um, and I'm probably going to buy it again for Steam when that comes out, because I really want to show it off. That's cool. So, um... About this game, there's really one, you know, sort of gimmick to the game, the ability to switch blocks between the foreground and background to create platforms to, you know, you know, travel across, jump across, and to, uh, you know, retrieve your escaped uh, lady convicts. Um, I think it's implemented really, really well, and and I'm surprised with how engaged I was throughout the whole thing. It's a very simple thing, but it just sucks you in. Yeah, and there's some, like, really mild combat that you have to... Uh, interact with a bit, but it's mostly just using the, the L and R buttons to move blocks in and out of the foreground and background. Yeah. I, I, I think mild combat would be, you know, k- kind of generous, given that, that most of the enemies are like, you know, 
either avoidable completely or just sort sort of you know cannon fodder or a part anyway, of the puzzle. Yeah, part of the puzzle. Um, uh, of course, I did go for the par times, uh, which was a bitch and a half to get. I did that I on the first out. one. I did yeah, that on the first one, but I just completely, like, I had had enough of it by the time that I finished the second game that I just didn't really bother. So, so with with that, up up until, like, stage 16, the last one, I had, you know, pulled my hair out and, you know, to try and get the, um, the par times. And I, and I had gotten to those. And once I, you know, beat, you know, what I thought at that point was the final stage, um, you know, it's then, oh, thanks for beating the game. We'll give you this, uh... The Hyper Blaster. <laughs> Yeah, the, 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 your, your big fucking gun, which will help you uh, get the par times in no time flat. And I'm like, fuck me. Oh. <laughs> yeah, they basically give you the I win button after you do all the time trials. So, so oh. uh, have you played the Hyperdrive Edition? Uh, no, but from what I understand, like all of the content got uh, retroactively fit into the DS game. Yeah, yeah. So when 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 you beat um, the first sixteen stages, you get five bonus yeah, stages. Yeah. Once you beat those, you get the all. Uh, let's see, let's see, sixteen of those. You get they, you get the remixed, all remixed, all redone harder. Twenty one other stages, which are the remixed versions of the previous stages. Yeah. Which of course, being being the complete you know tool that I am, I went ahead and played through those and got the par times for those two. So, wow! You really squeezed all the value you could out of that game. I did, I did uh, so much so that I went ahead and plunked down for Switch Force Two, which is basically more the same. So you there know, are, I was there are a couple levels in that game that are just copy pasted from the first one. That really made me mad. <laughs> yeah. So so it's basically the same game. You're a firefighter and firefighter instead of a cop this time. Um, I do feel that that Switch Force Two had a bit more emphasis on sort of the puzzle solving kind of aspects. I think that, to it. I think that it's because you can use water a lot, like to solve yeah. puzzles more than you can a blaster. Yeah. yeah, I thought that that the first one was more reliant on kind of sort of these you know twitch sort of instant you know quick reaction kind of you know switching and platforming kind of jumping. I didn't yeah. feel there was so much of that in Switch Force Two. Yeah, they they let so. you use they let you use your water hose. Um, to, to solve a lot of puzzles, which I think that is refreshing, but uh, by the time you get to the end game of that, it kind of feels like they've tossed the the, the water aspect to the side. Yeah. I, 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 I kind of, you know, wanted to throw something against the wall when I saw that they threw in a third color of a switch block that I had to sort of figure oh, out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so one, one little, little interesting thing I found, um, this has to do with the music, um... You know, Switch Force One. I think they both have amazing soundtracks. Absolutely. You know, Jake Kaufman. You know, great composer. I just wish he'd mix his game soundtracks a little bit better. It would, it would at least find someone who would mix them a little bit better because those are those are bricked wall beyond brick walled beyond belief. Yeah, they don't sound that great. Yeah. On their no, own, no. if you find the the soundtrack out in the wild, they sound all right. But when you're trying to pump it through like 3DS speakers or something, it just sounds like a garbled mess. Ugh. Yeah. Um, so, 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 so the Switch Force soundtracks. Um, I think Switch Force Wong was kind of rocking the dubstep club pop sort of kind of music. Yeah. Uh, Switch Force Two, uh, surprisingly enough, uh, at least it was a surprise to me, uh, seemed to take cues from a lot of you know seventies disco and eighties kind of kind of soul and yeah, funk. it's kind of funky um, and a little more housey. Yeah. 
So, so the other way forward game I kind of got involved with that I also bought for um, uh, eShop was uh, Shantae and the Pirate's Curse. Ooh. Uh, ooh, this is like uh, the second newest one, isn't it? That's the second newest one, and, and I believe technically the third in the series. Yeah. To, to this point. Oh, uh, we're still waiting for, what is it, Half Genie Hero to come out? Yeah, I think that yeah. comes out really soon, actually. Okay, yeah. That's the Kickstarter one. Mm-hmm. They're, 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 they're just cranking these out, it seems. Uh, this Shantae game, uh, The Pirate's Curse, I think is the one you got? I have it currently, yes. Yeah, like, uh, this one looks like the kind the of game one. that I wanted Shantae to be. Like, this looks really fast and, like, platformy and just, like, mm-hmm. she seems like a badass... Yeah. So so I had played Risky's Revenge previously. I thought that game was okay. There were a few things that dragged it down for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the dungeons felt a little bland, and I think there was a little more backtracking than they, you know, really should have had. Yeah. Um, I think they, they, they went back and sort of fixed some of those things for Pirate's Curse. Um, you, you're immediately started with, you know, uh, you're, you're immediately thrown into the action with, you know, like, um, you know, soldiers rushing at you and bombs falling on you and then you know a boss fight you know right at the conclusion of that just to get things warmed up um the the dungeons have a lot more personality even though some of them do you know do seem a bit generic like your lava level your desert level your ice level you know things like that the games definitely follow that kind of old school mentality of like elements and these are the four elements and these will tie heavily into the, the rest of the world and the dungeons and the like I mean yeah it did seem a bit generic but I but I thought you know for the most part the um you know those areas had their own you know little bit of personality to them um the way you get to the areas you know there's really no no big world that you have to go over to get to um you know from A to B, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, you basically pick pick these areas from a select screen, which I think makes the game a bit more compartmentalized, but a little less messy and uh, a little more focused. Yeah. Um, they also keep track of, you know, the kind of collectibles you get, you know, the hard squids and, you know, how many mutant bat monster things you've fought in a given area. Mm-hmm. So it's easier to get keep tabs on what's out there. Um, the boss fights, obviously, are a huge improvement. You know, it seems like a lot of effort, you know, really went into those, and some are, you know, genuinely challenging, I felt. This seems like the most treasury game that, um... Ooh. Uh, that, 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 uh, mm. WayForward has put out, I think. I, I, I could see a lot of those qualities in there. I, I, I really cool. could. Um, it, it's not... I, I wouldn't call it, you know, a, a, a hard game, necessarily, although when you get to the last uh, area of the game... Uh, you kind of figured that someone at WayForward kind of decided that, um, hey, let, let's uh, let, let's let's uh, let's go all. Um, I want to be the guy on your ass. Oh no! <laughs> um, oh no! So, so, yeah, you, you know what that means. So floor after floor after floor after floor after floor of uh, insta kill spikes. Oh good! Wow. I, I mean, it's probably not as hard as anything in I want to be the guy, but you know, this, this is quite a shock to the system. You know, after, you know, you, you could, you know, more or less get through everything else, you know, relatively unscathed if you knew what you were doing. This time it's more of a, you know, kind of a crapshoot that you kind of have to do over and over and over again. Uh, I, I will say that I am a little amused that they went for the whole teeth, flesh, and eyeballs mo- motif for, um you know, kind of some of those last areas. And it seems like way forward kind of... I guess ever since Contra 4, they've been trying to squeeze that in here and there. Yeah. I know that um, Switch Force kind of, you know, by the tail end of it, um, 
you know, kind of broke that out, and I'm seeing the eyes and the teeth, and I'm like, huh. Yeah. I must still think this is Contra 4. <laughs> Trying to live out <laughs> I, 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 guess, I guess that's their calling card or something. I don't know. They want it to be, anyway. They, they, well, one, they, they desperately want it to be. There's one weird thing about... Um, I'm looking at videos of Pirate's Curse, and also what my experience with Risky's Revenge was, both of them do this thing where they have like these really nice pixelated sprites and these really nice pixelated backgrounds, and then they put super HD... Um, text boxes and like character portraits over them, and it looks really bad <laughs> to me. Yeah, I can see that. It's it's kind of like when you have a really nice game that's got a lot of good two D animation and they throw three D models in there. It just feels really weird. It's definitely uh-huh. has that weird, but like it, I don't think it's anything that really detracts from the game. I just think that no. visually they should have yeah. probably like d- redone those, like drawn yeah. those out, but then had uh, somebody go over and create pixel art of them. Yeah, yeah. Because I think in the DS version they were pixel icons. Maybe I don't. Mm-hmm. But then when they I played, the... I played iPhone version. Yeah, I didn't I play very say, much of it. <laughs> the Steam and iPhone versions changed the character portraits. Yeah, yeah. yeah it just kind of added to it, feeling weird and flash gamey. Since I was playing it on my hey, iPhone, what, in addition to everything else. Flash games. All right. <laughs> Bullet phase. I really. love flash games. I really do. <laughs> I do too. Everybody loves flash games. I like Go Rhett's. Give. I like Rhett's flash games. How about that? We, we, we should have a uh, we should have a hug a flash game developer hug day. <laughs> All right, we'll do that. Day. We're gonna do that. That'll be uh, Monday. So the day after this podcast goes up, everybody be sure to tweet Rhett your longest hug ever. It because it's hug a flash developer day. <laughs> exactly. We've heard it here first. June twenty second yeah. is hug a flash developer day. You're going to find out how nobody listens to this podcast. I know. I'm going to know. I will know by then by how many people say they listen. Like, or how many none of us don't. can do it. No. So we just it can't have to be us. somebody so does it. We just got to see if it happens on the 22nd. So prove it. Yeah. Two more little items I'll, I'll probably try to blow through. Um, I also played Demon's Crest. Oh, that's a cool little game. Yeah. I, I knew that the game had existed since 94. I um, read about it in Nintendo Power, never really got around to it, and could never find a copy until it came out uh, once again for a uh, Wii U console. eShop. Yeah. Of course, I could have emulated that, but, you know, I'm a purist and, you know, kind of a stubborn prick that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it holds up pretty good. I, I, I was impressed by how, you know, the relative cartoonishness of, you know, the Ghosts and Goblins game from, you know, Ghosts and Goblins series of on, from which this was spun off was almost... You know, completely gone when they went for this whole sort of, sort of this this really dark sort of you know really gothic sort of motif. Absolutely. Which game? Demon uh, Crest. Demon's Crest for the. Okay, for cool. The I haven't played Demon's Crest yet, but um, Gargoyles Quest on the Game Boy is the most fun I've had with any of the Go- Ghosts and Goblins games. I think they're essentially the same game. Gargoyles yeah. Quest. Yeah, I think Gargoyles Quest might. Gargoyles have a little Quest more... is like a pre- I think it's the first one, and then Demon's Crest is the third one in right. that like spinoff series. I think I think Gargoyles Quest has more of an RPG bent than. Uh... Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like Gargoyles Quest. Um, I think the game's really nice. Then you will like. So I, I should check out. Yeah, I should check out Demon's Crest. I, I played a little bit of enough to know that the ambiance is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So. With that, um, I mean, I love the music. I love the settings. It reminds me of Castlevania at its most macabre, which is always a good thing. 
Um, Gameplay-wise, I thought it was kind of a mixed bag. Um, I, I, it was really liberating to me, you know, when you're allowed to fly on your own, when you have the appropriate kind of power, the appropriate crest, and you're just, you know, flying around stages, and it kind of really opens up the game for you. Yeah. Um, but most of the time, before that point, you're kind of doing this mid-air hover yeah. And it's not the most intuitive thing in the world. It feels uh, a little sloppy. Yeah, a, a little stiff. Attacking can feel, you know, a little stiff too. Um, you know, it's, it's there were a number of times when I was trying to shoot and avoid, and you know, an enemy, you know, kind of all in one motion, and you know, the controls just weren't smooth enough to really allow for that. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. You know, just, just, you know, a lot of unnecessary, you know, you know, unnecessary hits. Um, boss fights I thought were okay for the most part, but they range from being, you know, total pushovers to, you know, just having me froth at the mouth and rage. Um, <laughs> You know, you had the the quote unquote true final boss and the hidden super duper special secret final boss. Um, okay, though those those are you know your your sort of froth at the mouth kind of bosses. And they should um, be. They should be. If you're putting in all the time to get there, they should be. Yeah. Um, game is a bit on the short side. I plowed through this and won twelve hour marathon. You know, the real sort of ending. Uh, and if you're not really paying attention to what you're doing, the game ends abruptly with, you know, the bad ending. If you're not looking around for, you know, all the health upgrades, all the crests, all the power-ups, all the talismans, you know, etc. Um, and that, that, that's the only way you'll ever access, you know, everything, is to literally find everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I guess in a way, you know, that that's great. Um, but... Uh, in general, I thought it was a good game. Um, I don't know if it'll crack my top twenty-five uh, Super Nintendo list that I'll, you know, I'll one day retroactively submit to Rort, <laughs> and you can just sort of sneak uh, my entries in there and just, you know, yeah, it he'll doesn't t- work like that. He'll totally, he'll totally want to redo the whole list for you. Yeah. Uh, Super Metroid's going to be number one anyway, regardless of what I, I kind of I was kind of thinking the other day, like I'd really like to be able to contribute to one of those top twenty-five favorite games list. I've contributed to to, to two at least. You know, the first one was the Genesis list. Um, Just to see if I could actually, you know, compose my thoughts together. And then, believe it or not, there's a little story about that. I I think I told Polly privately via email a few years ago about this, but um, as a result of doing that list or, you know, doing that, you know, Genesis list, you know, kind of made me think of looking into... um, you know, a couple of freelance writing gigs, and Neat. eventually, you know, I, I I sort of landed one, and you know, just just doing talking about fucking video games, and like, you know, kind kind of spurred that on to oh, let, let me try this as another avenue. You know, of course, the gig didn't last that long, but you know, it gave me you know something to do for a little bit with, for some kind of financial compensation. So, so don't ever yeah. say I didn't do anything for you, fucker. <laughs> <laughs> you 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 do all the things you do. You do you do most of all the things. I've got to get my obnoxious quota in, okay? That's all I'm doing. I, so, I, I don't think I don't think you could be more obnoxious than Dan, honestly. Uh, I don't know. I'm pretty obnoxious well, if you haven't heard. Uh, we're, we're gonna have you. you I'm, I'm gonna have you two stream together and just have it out. We'll have an obnox off. Yeah. I like okay, how that last, sounds. Yeah. Oh, last I probably won't be able to contribute much to that. Yeah. Where's her agent? I'm, I'm actually just wondering. Annoying, right. Yeah. I'm actually wondering how long it's going to be before I get, you know, hateful, you know, anonymous Tumblr comments God, it'd as be a great. result of this. It'd be yeah. great if somebody could send those to somebody that's not me. Uh, 
I disabled yeah. an on I, I disabled an anonymity. In I don't know. Why it's pretty weird how me and Reed never seem to get any of those. How am I ever going to know that 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 your your anonymous you know haters are going to think that I'm some type of big fat stinky loser? You're not a big fat stinky loser. You're you're at least not three of those. Oh. Okay, last game to talk about. Um, there is a story behind this as well. So in her frustration at playing Shovel Knight, Tracy goes to me and goes, you're making me do something that I'm really bad at, and you're posting it on the internet. When are we <laughs> going to make you do something you're bad at? Yes! Sweet revenge! Yeah, so basically the one thing I could come up with, uh, being the, the, the total self-deprecating, self-loathing bastard I am, I'm bad at dating and maintaining relationships. No, no. But you can't really get that across over a podcast or get that across in video form. So there has to be another way to go about doing it. So the thought came to me. Why don't I play a dating sim? Oh, (laughs) boy. And not just any dating sim, but because I'm being pushed to do this... If I'm going to go, you know, if I'm going, if you're pushing me down the hole, I might as well go into the deepest, darkest, blackest hole I can think of. Right. We're, we're, go, we're going the full Monty here. <laughs> and um, I had to pick the trashiest dating sim looking game that I can find. Therefore, Honey Pop. Yes. Uh. Oh, boy. Yeah. So, so, so this game, um, believe it or not, the dating part is really overstated, I think, with this game. I mean, there are a couple of dating-ish elements, maybe, kind of, sort of, but not really. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game is really fixated on being something of a bejeweled Match 3 kind of clone. Which, to the game's credit, you know, that's competent enough. You know, it handles well. It's. I think, it's that, the a, way, I think that the way that they tie... Um, the match three game into how the dating stuff works is actually really good and interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's enough to, to keep you engaged. It's enough to keep you going. You know, there, there's nothing, at least that part, you know, isn't horrendously off putting or mediocre. Right. Um, you know, and you know, there, it does get, you know, it does, the challenge does ramp up quite a bit. So you, you kind of have to, you always have to be thinking, you always have to be planning a couple of moves ahead. Yeah, you can't um, just fudge your way through it once you get to a certain absolutely. point. I, I'm imagining everything you say as a metaphor right now. Well, it, it makes sense. It's, it's yeah. basically... Uh, things are ramping up. You're not, you're not far off the mark. Yeah. Um, so so basically, by, by doing the... Um, by, by doing these little puzzle game sections, you get money, M-U-N-I-E, which you use to buy your, you know, your potential waifu gifts... Booze, food, to boost your uh, honey, H-U-N-I-E, uh, which you use to upgrade your traits. You know, there's this, you know. Right. You know, this is, you know, what, what kind of ability, well, not abilities. How do, how do I explain this? Um, there's their characteristics. Characteristics that which affect, you know, how, 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 you know, certain matches and certain tokens you use during the, um, not tokens, but how about well, well, certain tokens that you you know interact with during the actual you know puzzle game aspect of it. You know how much um, affection or points you know you, you get in, in you know in these respective dates. You know just just affects a lot of things like that. Um, so so that's the boring part out of the way. Um, now now the actual um, girls in this dating simulator. <laughs> 
Um, there, there are about as one-dimensional as it gets, really. Absolutely. Yeah. It's basically archetype after stereotype after archetype after stereotype. A Tracy and a, and a few others, I think Taylor also pointed this out, uh, the game can get kind of race fetishy. Yeah. With regards to some characters, you know, we, we find out that your that you're vaguely racist, uh, pink-haired fairy wingman, you know, suffers from a bad case of yellow fever. You know, and this yeah. is actually in the dialogue. It's pretty gross. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if Tracy did tell me she, she, would, she would entertain volunteering as my pink-haired bisexual fairy wingman if she could dump, you know, the vaguely racist part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I told her I, 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 I'd, I'd, I'd contemplate on that, and we and I'd get back to her. But but anyway, yeah. Well, it, it's basically the same routine over and over again. Maybe the gifts are slightly different. Yeah. Uh, you know, talk. You get you know a handful of questions. Uh, you know, raise the affection points, get more honey, buy more gifts. You know, all all of that stuff. Uh, win enough dates. I think if you're successful on your fourth. Date, you get to play another version of the puzzle game, but this time it's during sexy times. Yeah, it's <laughs> really weird. What? It it actually got got a bit more perverted, you know, as, as I you know continued to play the game. They they between the time I, I initially played it, and between and between then and one of the um, one of the game updates, uh, one of the game updates involved um, the tops falling off during the puzzle game. Yeah. Yeah, there's a sort of morals coming up, and you get, you know, the um, boob edge, I suppose. And believe it or not, this is the censored version. Yeah. Boobs are in the censored version. You get the um, you get the uh, cooters and the cum shots and the uncensored uh. version. I think they're selling on Manga Gamer. I think there is also a patch on for for the Steam version. But, yeah. but fuck. But but I'm I'm too fucking lazy for that, honestly. <laughs> Do you really want to see that? Yeah. Uh, he said, "Yeah." All right. <laughs> well, 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 well. Yeah, in the rhetorical sense, and yeah, that I needed something to say, so I could think of the next thing I was gonna say. Um, yeah, others had mentioned to me that they took issue with sort of the anatomical inconsistencies with some of the characters. Um, you know. That that's not what a vaginal canal should look like. Well, yeah, from. but that's uh. that's a thing that hentai consistently gets wrong. Yeah, that, that's the real reason they sense everything in Japan. Yeah, yeah. They're they're like, just, we they, don't we don't know what they look like. So. I don't even know how to draw one. <laughs> Let's put some pixels there. <laughs> they just kind of just draw this vaguely pink mass and then they <laughs> mosaic it. Yeah. Yeah. This was actually done by, by uh, I think, American folks, actually. Yeah, so that's I think why it was, kept the, um, That's why they kept all the uh, all the bits in. Yeah. In some versions, at least. Um, so, yeah. Um, I don't think this will assuage my, my, my desperate loneliness at all. But, you know, <laughs> I, I did 100% the game, got Good every achievement. So I'm just saying right now, I'm fucking over Honey Pop. I'm done with it. He's out! Free! Slams his $20 down on the fucking counter. <laughs> he Kramers that shit. 
Yeah. So, so, so yeah, I'm, 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 yeah. So I figured I'd end on that note. That's a great note. Uh, <laughs> that, 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 I'm assuming that's the last thing you have to talk about. And then, yeah, I did. I did make sure to mention that this was in fact Tracy's fault. And Tracy, if you're listening to this, she's not. Well, I, I told her to at least try to write an embarrassing email question for me. Uh oh. She did or not? I, I, well, I, I guess I'm going to find out shortly. Right. But if you're listening to this, Tracy, um, I love you. Happy birthday, and this is all in good fun. We love you as well, Tracy. Woo! Woo. Awesome bangs. Bangs for days. Fantastic bangs. She bangs. Awesome she bangs. Ooh, ooh, ooh. She wins at karaoke and stand-up comedy and feminism and everything good in this world. Fantastic. Woo! Fantastic. <laughs> all right, so, John. Hi. What are you doing? <laughs> Um, well, I've got some, I've had a really nice couple of weeks, actually. Have you? Yeah, I have. I went on a um, trip to my aunt's during, when everyone else was doing E3, and we went kayaking. Oh. And it was really lovely. Doing outside stuff? Like, what, I know, right? What are you doing? This, that, wrong, this is wrong podcast. fucking podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. One of us burst into tears at one point, but then we got past it. Oh, dear. What? Yeah. Why did well, we got stuck on rocks, and it was really scary, and you know, I was having a rough time. But it was okay after that. And um, So it was you who burst into tears. <laughs> what? It was you who burst into tears. I didn't say that. It sounds um, a lot like what happened to me when I went uh, whitewater rafting as a Boy Scout. We almost oh. lost a kid. Oh. We, like, oh. Fell, over the, fell over the raft, and my dad was, you know, sort of a scoutmaster at the time. I had to, had to go in and, like, grab him back out. Damn. And then, then some of the other scouts and some of the other kids like started slapping each other and like getting all pissy and whatnot. And what we would have, what we wouldn't have given to have a flare gun at that point. Did y'all know that I'm an Eagle Scout? <laughs> so I can relate with the Boy Scouts sucking stories. <laughs> <laughs> I, I only stuck Ooh. around to like first class, and I only had like four merit badges. So mm-hmm. oh I, yeah, I, I went through the whole. Failed. I went through the whole shebang. I got to do a big charity project where I like built a library for a low-income housing unit at the end. So it was like the Eagle Project was really nice, and then everything leading up to that is a bunch of like really conservative chauvinist dudes running, ruling over a bunch of other and instilling like homophobic chauvinist values into a bunch of boys. My troop Um, had a bunch of Marilyn Manson fans. That sounds cool. I didn't have that. <laughs> I could deal with that. Hey, yeah. I think Boner. It wasn't Boner and an Eagle Scout at some point. It I know. Been, yeah. 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 I think we talked about that. Meet me and him privately a few times. Cool. Yeah. It's it was, yeah. So yeah, that was a life experience that I'm glad I got to go through. I'm glad you got through it as well. I'm glad yep. that Anna wiped your tears away. <laughs> yeah. Um. So also this week was Stephen Bomb. There were oh. there was a month and a half. Uh, where Steven Universe was on hiatus, and then they released five episodes in five days. <laughs> um, probably because Cartoon Network's screwy or whatever. But they did it last time. They did it for the finale of season one, and it was it basically was what kind of catapulted the show from sort of a weird niche thing into like what it is now. Saturated mess. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Popular. I, Widely I was- beloved. I never heard of that show until I heard that it was getting canceled. Yeah, that's when like, I heard about it as well. <laughs> that seemed to be the thing that really catapulted it, where people were like, oh, fuck, we gotta do something to save this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that doesn't seem like it's gonna happen now. Um, so the Steven Bomb was five episodes. Um, four of them were, like, really 
weighty, feelingsy episodes. One really cute, light one. Um, there's one where before um, the last podcast, I I was like still kind of reeling because they had a really horror horrific image in it. It's probably been around Tumblr a bunch. And then the next one was flashback to Greg, to Stephen's mom and dad falling in love and dealing with complicated human alien relations. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, there's been a bunch of really nice stuff happening on this show and I'm really glad that I'm keeping up with it. Plus, in addition to like everything else, the show's also intermittently a musical. So it just gets to be everything that I like in the world. So, happy. Um, so You, I, you can yeah. hear Polly's excitement. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to contain it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to overtake John's portion of the show here is all. <laughs> Alright, so I've um, been on basically two games um, for the last couple weeks or whatever. Um, I've been playing a whole mess of King of Fighters. Cause, uh, what, what spurred that? <laughs> yeah, it's a little weird. I think I think Eric John was talking about some about how much he loved SNK fighters for their storytelling and weird eccentricities and all the weird stuff that I'm into. And I was like, this sounds amazing. And then I had to leave for my aunts. Mm-hmm. So I spent like the whole time we were away like reading up on characters and character histories in SNK Fighters. And crying and then in a I, kayak. And crying in a kayak. And then I got home, and then I, I had downloaded... I had bought um, King of Fighters 98 and King of Fighters 13 right before I left. I haven't even touched 13 yet. Um, and I've just pl- sunk like six hours into King of Fighters 98, where I'm just like playing a bunch of versus matches and dying in the second round of the arcade game, <laughs> arcade mode. Um just kind of poking at it and learning all these little nuances and basically um, coming from this is a big inaccessible thing to this is a really hard action game I've played really hard action games I can figure that out that's that's one way to look at it yeah yeah I mean like in a way it's just like a big slew of Dark Souls bosses <laughs> I, I realized that a bunch of those that vocabulary for talking about stuff like fighting the Taurus demon or whatever applies to King of Fighters and that just kind of gave me my mental in in how I can figure this game out and think about it. It's just a really, really deep, nuanced combat engine and I've just been digging into it like that, digging into it as a really hard action game, which I played many of. Those games are having just a blast so full of systems and systems and systems upon systems and subsystems <laughs> and it's just like Jesus Christ, you got to run out of screen room for gauges at some point. <laughs> yeah, because like, there's three different modes. You can play like with advanced mode, you can play with something else mode, and then extra mode, and then you can play ultimate mode, where you can mix and match different features from the advanced and extra modes. Because King of Fighters 98 was like the culminating entry to the story of 94 through 97 which ended with 97 mm-hmm. so they just took all the characters no story plopped them together made it so you can play in the style of the first two games or in the style of the remaining games and just added a bunch of interesting character re- um, interactions like there there are unique interactions and intros if two specific characters tie together like Terry Bog- Bogard and his brother have a unique in- intro with each yeah, other yeah 
And there's a whole bunch of cool stuff like that. So I'm like, who are these characters? Figuring them out. It's actually kind of interesting. Um, so my idea is that I'm just going to keep playing this game, banging my head against it until I get decently good at it, and then maybe play the um, ones leading up to it and the ones that come after it so that I can just kind of experience the whole series. Um, That's a lot to dive into. Yeah, but it's like at any given... it's The idea is that basically no matter how much time I sink into this game, it will continue giving back, which means there's no pressure to complete it <laughs> because I'll just keep on... I can just put in hour after hour after hour into the game and stop at any point and keep having a good time because I'm endlessly patient with these kind of things and... Um, whenever I don't feel like playing King of Fighters anymore, I'll stop, and then I'll probably pick it up again in six months or whatever, and then just kind of keep doing that ad nauseum forever. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting long term project you set yourself up with because it is something yeah. that you can easily put down and come back to, and won't be that exactly. hard to really dive back into once you've had yeah. it down for a while. Exactly. The only like the longest term commitment you could go into is trying to beat like an arcade mode, and those aren't longer than like a half hour. Yeah. So it's it's a lot like shmups, kind of, where the, you can keep digging into them ad nauseum forever, but you can also just enjoy them on a very simple level. Yeah, there's a lot of subtle nuance there that you can grasp at or, or not grasp at and still, you know, get a decent amount of playtime out of it. Yeah, exactly. Plus, shmups and fighting games both have really awful communities. Absolutely! <laughs> so I can ignore all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. None of those mm. communities are worth engaging with at all. Yeah, I just listen to fighting game people, and it's like, you are speaking in a language I am not interested in learning <laughs> and engaging with. And it's like, oh, this one is garbage because it's not perfectly balanced, and this one is perfect because it doesn't have any interesting character interactions or, or and the music's bad, but it's balanced for tournament play. Uh. Uh, so, tournament tournament. I will happily yeah. watch an Evo, but I will not listen. I will not suffer listening to a fighting game person talk more than two minutes. Yeah, so it's like you can appreciate it for the music. You can appreciate it for the sprite art and the really expressive animations. You can appreciate it for the weirdly like this is a story that they released a new game annually and like kept a narrative going. <laughs> Over, and, like, five and, games. And and SNK's sprite art beats the shit out of Capcom's. Uh-huh. And also, like, um, like Capcom, all the characters are these pretty broad, like, caricatures. Yeah. Um, whereas with SNK, it's like, this is dude in shirt. This is dude in shirt with hat. This is dude <laughs> in shirt. And yeah. it, it kind of ties into that greater nuance of those SNK fighters versus kind of the more broad Capcom stuff. Yeah, I always like the fashion in those games. Like they just seem like cool dudes fighting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where Street Fighter Two is like a whole bunch of racist stereotypes. Yeah. 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 I don't. Re- I don't want to go. I don't necessarily want to hang out with Doll Sim, but like most <laughs> of the King of Fighters characters, like, yeah, I'd, I'd love to chat with these people. <laughs> I'm gonna go on a date with Blue Mary. Hmm. I like King. King. <laughs> what? <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah, couldn't have timed that better. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the the one character who like completely steps outside of all that nuance is Mai. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. it's and Eric John's ra- kind of rational was like this character is obvious is obviously absurd yeah. and also characters in this universe react to her as being kind of absurd. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Uh-huh. So it kind of fits. Like whenever there and also like the characters who have magic fireball powers, even the magic fireball powers are like really important and the way they're illustrated is pretty restrained. Mm-hmm. Um, so even when they introduce like the magic clones and everything, it, it feels different than like the, like the main butt villain of the entire first five games is a dragon is a dragon God who possesses like a person. Yeah. Like that's like any JRPG would have that as like a normal villain. A regular fighting game could bang out that story in one game um they build up to the dragon god guy for five games yeah <laughs> make it matter so it's cool you know, shit you know what character is really cool who cool diamond cool diamond <laughs> i should know that one um <laughs> she might be later oh maybe yeah i haven't played any of them beyond it's 98 really fun play on words for anybody that knows that series <laughs> she, cool. uses, she uses ice powers Oh, oh, I get it. And her and name is again, Kula. Great. Her name and, is yep. Kula, which is just uh, a romanized version of cooler. <laughs> cool. And, you know, great fashion. As with Excellent every, fashion, yes, absolutely. Kula Shaker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah, I can't wait to play 13, because obviously it's 13 is really, gorgeous. really good. Not only yeah. just for the fact that it is freakishly gorgeous, but I think that uh, in terms of, like, SNK fighters, I feel that it has a, a system of systems that is both complex and they're easy to pick up and learn. It's like you, you, you can cool. figure them out relatively quickly and it's, it's then just like learning to utilize them in a way, um, you know, to make it look like you know what you're doing. And, Rad. Uh, and it's got a great cast of characters, too. There's just a lot of people that are fun to play as. Cool. Yeah, I've seen like a bunch of my favorite characters are right there in mm-hmm. in thirteen. So I'll get to see them with amazing sprite art. Just a, that that that, that oh. art style for that game really just knocks it out of the park. Yep. And plus, I'll be able to play it online with people since mm-hmm. you know ninety eight doesn't have a whole lot of. Um, <laughs> well, and then that, from what I understand, unfortunately, SNK's netcode is pretty bad. Unfortunately, oh bummer. Yeah, they, they never the got old, on the GGPO uh, wagon, which is really unfortunate. Uh huh. Yeah, the only other fighting game I've ever gotten into is Tatsunoko versus Capcom, which is pretty fucking rad. Um, but every time I went online, I just get destroyed. So, yeah. <laughs> um, this game is kind of giving me a new in on this genre that has been kind of interesting from a distance for you're a while. Throwing, you're throwing yourself in the deep end. I'll say that most people like <laughs> when they want to get it, when they want to get into oh, fighters, S and K is not the first place they go. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Especially when you like in terms of just like move execution, it requires so much fidelity on your control stick, mm-hmm. and it's just like it's almost worth buying an arcade stick for those games because mm-hmm. it's so demanding. Uh, the execution for moves is gotcha. Yeah, what I've basically been doing is just trying to get really good at the light punch, light kick, strong punch, strong kick, and then throws, and then I'll incorporate one special move and try to be able to beat um, CPU guys consistently with the core moves and then the one special move. And then I'll try to incorporate another special move and then just kind of work them into a pattern. Because you can beat the CPUs okay with um, at a basic level with just the main attacks if you're yeah. smart about it. And then from there you can incorporate 
all those other options. Yeah. And then, of course, there's 45 characters. So yeah, right now, learn, just when you learn to utilize the I, other 12 gauges that are on the screen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So right now, I'm trying to really hard to learn Terry, and then I'll learn um, Fiona and King because they're obviously. Figured, I, I knew that you would go right for Terry Bogard. I was just like, yeah, the most milk toast. Protagonist you could think of, and I know that that's what John's gonna go for. <laughs> well, I heard he was an easy starting. He is a good. He, he is a good starting character. Power plus, dunk. Plus, he just seems like kind of a like a swell guy. Okay. He has that nice like. It's if this is Japan's idea of what an American is, then <laughs> I'm okay with that. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Also, he wears a Fatal Fury hat in yes. In King of Fighters, and apparently wears a King of Fighters hat in Fatal, in Fatal Fury. Fury. Oh my god! Yeah, it's really <laughs> yeah. dumb. Yeah. So, yeah, I remember like when the Neo Geo hit arcades, and it was this cool thing where like they can hold four games at once, and they update them and stuff. Like, and how Fatal Fury and King of Fighters were their own separate series mm-hmm. for a while, and then King of Fighters came out, and I'm like, oh, it's, they're doing this crossover thing, mm-hmm. and then they just went nuts releasing those, and the other two series seemed to just die completely. Yeah, they basically yeah. all just kind of got assimilated into this one gigantic SNK yeah. fighting game, really. Which is yeah, for the better, I think. Yeah. Art of Fighting had three entries. Um, Fatal Fury had, like, eight. The last one was Mark of the Wolves on oh. the Dreamcast. Yeah, Guru Mark of the Wolves. Which was supposedly, like, one of the best ones. Which is a really good game. Yeah, it looks... Re- uh, last Blade looks really pretty. Last Blade is so good! Yeah. I really like like the drama of that because King of Fire is just like, hey, we got a bunch of people hanging out who are just kind of acquaintances, and they're they're gonna fight for yeah, that's because it's a fun little tournament. Um, and then Last Blade is like no music; they're all using blades and blocking, and it's, it's just like this, this very very Japanese ambiance that is just mm-hmm. very stoic and serious, and it's just, yeah, it's cool. It's mm-hmm. a game that, I love its presentation, I like its fighting system, it just feels and yeah. looks really good. So, Fatal Fury, there's the, and there's the Art of Fighting, and maybe the Samurai Showdown, and there's this whole yeah. very, very lengthy rabbit hole, and like, 11 or 10 annualized um, King of Fighters games, all the yeah. way from 94 to 2003, Yeah, all of which seem pretty good um i'm really down for this rabbit hole um yeah so i'm looking at the wiki and apparently there are characters from akari warriors in these games yep yes akari warriors and psycho soldier (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah i know i know athena was in there and Mm -hmm. i was like athena's hard i don't know anything about athena but she's really hard to beat in the game (laughs) she she has a terrible nes game yeah she does (laughs) really terrible is that all that all that is that Psycho Soldier is? Is it just might be. that's really know. funny. I was just sad because I preferred Samurai Showdown a whole lot more. Oh, I never played any of those. I that's, haven't played any of those yet. Obviously, that second one is so good. Oh wow, yeah, Samurai Showdown two. It's just like oh, you've got to play that. It's really yeah. That's the one I was really that's good. Yeah, I think that's like the one consensus. everybody. Yeah, yeah. That is the Samurai Showdown game. Hmm. So. Yeah, and just the feel of fighting the matches in King of Fighters '98 is just feels good. Just kind of going back and forth, mm-hmm. hopping. The, I finally learned about the different levels of jump because there's four. Yeah. Like I uh, said, that game's got systems. Uh, and the roll. I learned about that. Um, layers and layers. I've got six hours on King of Fighters '98. <laughs> I think on Steam. Um, and then I have Mame where I can 
emulate the rest of the he's, he's, other he's, fighters. He's played six hours and he's just now learning how to jump. <laughs> that well, about oh, summarizes the, it. That's the one with like four jumps, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Short hop, hyper short hop, jump, hyper jump. Hyper short hop. Hyper short hop. <laughs> Which is different from jump. Um, Apparently, there was an Athena game for phones oh in boy. 2006, but it's like <laughs> Wikipedia just says iMode on FOMA 90X platform for what it was released on. Okay. Oh god. Some Japanese and they stopped making service. the they stopped making the annual ones in 03, but then 11 and 13 are supposed to be fantastic. Yeah. 12 was like another dream match game where it wasn't canon and they didn't they just it just seemed like it didn't have a lot of content to it. Yeah. Was the idea, right? Yeah. Wasn't the issue yeah. with 12 was that they spent all their energy just making the new sprites. Yeah, then, they just mm-hmm. did not terrible. have they didn't really have budget or time to really handle much else for that game. Mm-hmm. So basically all of the like all of the like the creative energy that they had for creating systems and making the game substantial happened in 13. Mhm. That's cool. Um so yeah, it's a shame about 12, but it's been, but especially since it's um, a dream match, since that is like that really works with '98 because um, it feels like just culminating celebration of all this other story that was building up to. Which of course I read all all about. I, I saw one um, King of Fighters story guide on Game Packs. Oh, I God. copied it into a word guide. It had 120,000 words. <laughs> Pat did an entire feature on King of Fighters on my side. I reread. I reread that feature. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, just talking about the bosses. Yeah, SNK bossmen. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Those are pretty intimidating. Um, I I got through the arcade mode in um, King of Fighters '98 because when you continue, it lets you um, split everyone's HP bars down to a third. Yeah. So I was able to beat the game. I, be, I was able to beat Omega Rugal barely <laughs> after doing that. Um, but yeah, right now I'm not engaging with that. I'm just. Playing a whole bunch of versus matches, trying to get get good, get leveled up. Mm-hmm. Fun. It's really fun stuff. Awesome. Um, and aside from that, I basically for a while I've kind of been implanting this idea in Anna's head um, that there was a um, RPG, sort of actiony but not too demanding with like reflexes and everything that was on the Super Nintendo that was two player that was by the people who made Chrono Trigger and shares a lot of aesthetic similarities with Chrono Trigger and would you like to try that out together? Um, and I finally and I, so we've started Secret of Mana together um, we play about a third of it I looked at a guide Polly's a one game. person who hates that game apparently I well, I don't have a lot of love for Secret of Mana, honestly. I think it's got great I, music, and that's really about <laughs> well, it. Well, mostly. Um, <laughs> a couple of those tunes are pretty fucking grating. Yeah. Uh, so, I've tried this game like six times. Um, and every time I couldn't find anyone to play it with, so I would play it alone. And it's just really, really dull alone. Um, it's not really that fantastic with other people, either. <laughs> So I, I just, play, yeah. I just yeah, remember playing this game when it was new and enjoyed it, and then never went back to it. So I don't remember anything from it. 
I bet I never remember anything from it when I like yeah. go back to it. It's like but, I played. Well, for me, it was like you know twenty years or whatever. Yeah. No, I, don't I, know. I, I just like remember a year really in between playthroughs. I remember a year. It'll be like a year between playthroughs, and then I beat the first third of the game, and then played with Anna, and like I don't remember any of this. <laughs> I remember the spiky tiger guy. He was an asshole. Um, I remember him largely now just because of Fat Kakashi. Yeah. <laughs> um, are those videos still up? No. No. They got taken um, down. Fat Kakashi like deleted everything. I was looking through like LPO archives. Like all his stuff is gone. Yeah. <sighs> Bummer. Uh, it's a bummer. Um, so yeah, I this game it feels really weird. I looked at I looked at like one clip of Secret of Evermore, and the man run and the avatar runs up to a monster, attacks it, and then it goes miss. And there's a little sound oh. effect that goes miss. Yeah. And it's like, oh look, I missed. I know that I missed. Great. I'm happy. I know what happened. Um, so in Secret of Mana, can you really just attack an enemy, and then? It won't register because it was a miss, but it doesn't give you any feedback that lets you know that's what's happening. Or is it just not registering? I don't understand. I honestly don't remember. Enemies apparently have evasion, so does that mean that if you run up to a man with a person with your sword, hit it with your sword, and then it doesn't register, it's missing, but not telling you that it's missing? I maybe. <sighs> it feels it feels really mushy. It, it um, does. That's that's something that I really never really liked about the combat of the game is it just mm-hmm. feels so – like it lacks any kind of impact. Mm-hmm. And after you get through a fourth of the game, you're basically just going into a menu and casting <laughs> magic every battle. So, uh-huh. Which is kind of nice because it means that you don't have to fight the bosses anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, 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 but it has pretty music. Um, it has pretty sprite art and it has a lot of square charm. Um which, you know, carried me through Final Fantasy V, um, despite all that game's faults. And I get to play it with the person I love most in the world. Um, Aww. So. Eh. <laughs> so, <laughs> what? I, I, but, so, like, it's really fun and nice, but it also makes me want to bang my head against the desk, and not in a good way. Yeah. Um, I need to revisit I, this game. Um, Y'all are crazy. No, we're not. Yeah. But 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 uh, when we're when it's all clicking, it's I'm having a really magical time uh, with Anna, mm-hmm. just because of that square charm and having it be two player, and um, hopefully this story does something interesting. Nope. Uh, um, Never. Eventually. Never. Oh, it's you boring. A, don't you get like a dragon to fly on? You get a dragon to fly on, and you save yeah. Santa, and you save Santa Claus at one point. Yay! Someone said that there the were fields. Somebody said that there are feels in Secret of Mana, and I was like, yes, "Really? There are? Who somebody the- is speaking my language? I love feels. Who the hell uh, would say that? The only feel I had with Secret of Mana is, is it <laughs> over yet? Can this be the final boss, please? Feels was a thing in 1992. No, someone told me just now on Twitter. Um, uh, um it was probably all so. Awesome. So oh. my thinking is that <laughs> probably none of these games are actually good, except for the Game Boy one, but. Um, sort of, can, sort of mana. That game is like a remake of, of Final Fantasy Adventure, which is like a legit great game. And then the approach is let's make it as much like Secret of Mana as possible. Oh yeah, that game is terrible. Oh fuck that. Oh fuck that. Because like it's because people like Secret of Mana more. It's like more popular. Yeah. So then they go back to this game that came before it that's better, and then said, 
all right, let's take everything unique about this game, strip it out, and make it more like this worst game that people like more. It's offensive on so many levels. I've just always found the Mana series so overrated and just like, I don't know why people love that series so much. It's just every every single time I've sat down to play one of those games, uh, it's just hit me with a resounding thud. Yeah. Um, I mean, they've got a guy, they've got a girl, they've got a sprite. What more do you need? <laughs> so I hope that like... Um, Secret Man is fun, nope. and we can get through the end of that. <laughs> and, you know, if we feel, if we have a nice time because it's two-player and has that square charm, we could try out the second one. Oh, God, uh, don't. It's probably just don't. as mushy. Seeking Densetsu 3 is shit. Ugh. That game is garbage. Ugh. That game is, is pure I... garbo. Okay. But then Legend of Mana. Legend of Mana is all right. Yeah, because it also has like Akitoshi Kawazu in a main role, so it's basically uh, so it's half a saga game. But that game is actually like more of a side-scrolling beat 'em up than an actual huh. RPG. Too. I looked at I looked at that, and also I, I typed it into how long to beat, and it only had like eighteen hours for Legend of Mana, which is a good bit shorter than both of the SNES games. So yeah, yeah. that's something positive to say for it. Um, Can you do three player? In Secret of Mana? I think you can. With a multi-tap, you can. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so that's neat. Um, But yeah, I really can't overstate. It really is nice to be able to play a two-player square RPG with somebody you're connected with in a nice way. Um, That's satisfying and pleasant. Um, I would just teach her how how to play Conjurer. (laughs) (laughs) Multi-player Conjurer. She would feel a lot more accomplished by the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we started getting mad at each other in the last in the last um, dungeon because um, I think I've been trying a little too hard to just be kind of like the leader. Oh, and, of course. Yeah. Well, you're the man. So You've got to protect the little woman. We know how you are, you big psycho. Oh god! When when the first magic person is like, I'll give you defensive magic, and then turns over to the dude, <laughs> I'll give you offensive magic. Yeah. Um, when we played Nino Cooney. Um, naturally, when that was the first game that she got into with me, and naturally the the female character is basically worthless in combat. Yeah. So, um, we we would tuck her off to the side and have her basically just um, feed sandwiches, which are the um, healing item in that game, to everyone else. <laughs> so, in every game since, it's been like, all right, put Marl on sandwich duty, <laughs> or put, all right, you're on sandwich duty. <laughs> So that's become a cute shorthand. I like that sandwich duty. Yeah. Remember that. <laughs> that's funny. Oh, um, we saw the new Pixar movie. It was, it was pretty perfect. It's really good. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen it, so I have nothing I can say about it. I saw it's the trailer. Really, um, I don't know how good the trailer makes it look. People, people always seem to like see trailers and be like, that looks like garbage. And I'm like, I don't know. I think it looks fine. Um, like when you guys were talking about Bad Max and people were saying that about uh, this movie. People were saying that about Paddington. And I was like, but I wanted to see it because of the trailer. Um, so people said the Inside Out trailer is bad and doesn't represent the movie for what it's worth. It that's like seemed, 97% of trailers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that movie's really lovely. It's very much a return to form for Pixar, which is nice. Um, it's like right up there with Up and... Gratitude and all those. 
Um, not much else to say since none of you have seen it, but yeah, that movie's lovely. I saw somebody do a list of best, best Pixar movies, and they put Wally at number one. What? Yeah, I was what? like, wait a minute. Wait, wait. You I, I thought, I well, I thought everyone it. liked Wally. I don't think it's their best, though. Yeah, Wally's all right, but wow. That always seemed that always seemed like the arty critics would be like, yeah, Wally's obviously the best one. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. That was kind of like the impression I got, and I, I really like that that movie starts off with like a forty-five minutes of si- of no talking. Like that's really neat. Yeah, it's that other half of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like Wally. I've I've really only seen it once or twice, but I've connected a lot oh. more with. Ratatouille and Up. Um, I just yeah. remembered something about Wally that drives me crazy forever now, though. What? what? Where we left the theater when the credits started, and apparently the ending oh, of the movie is in yeah. the credits. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, in the credits. I was so oh. mad at my dad for like rushing us out. I was like, oh, by the way, that, don't appa- apparently this movie has the greatest end credits of all time. Like, yep. And we missed them. And we normally stay to the end of for everything. Something about Wally. He was just like, fuck it, let's get out of here. This movie sucks. <laughs> I'm not a fan of the robot love, I see. And then we missed the true ending. It's like a JRPG. <laughs> just like a JRPG. Didn't grind out enough, Rhett. <laughs> but yeah, Up's probably our favorite. Um, this one is pretty up there. It has a character who is the personification of joy and has a bunch of difficulty processing and seeing the value in negative emotions. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, I can't um, see why John would have an attachment to that at all. Mm-hmm. And it also had a character who's the personification of sadness who has trouble like being recognized and valued. Um, so Anne and I both got in the car and we're like, I really identified with... <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, that movie's really sweet. It's like contains a bunch of character arcs and it's also basically like literally about a character arc. It's kind of like literalizing what's happening psychologically in every other Pixar movie. Um and making it dramatic cuz like Joy figures out that sadness has a place in the world that she needs sadness just as much as she needs joy and da 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 da. It's really nice. My dog died. Yay! Yeah, that's Joy. She's like, uh, like somebody's really sad about something, and she's like, well, let me make a funny face. Um, they look on the bright side. And it's like, this sounds a lot like me at the beginning of Anna's, me and Anna's relationship. Look at the bright side. You don't have to clean up poop no more. <laughs> I'm going to save so much money on dog food. <laughs> so, Is that all you've been up to, John? Basically, yeah. Cool, cool. Fun times. Well, mostly fun times. <laughs> Except the part where you were crying in a kayak. Basically. That was the funnest time. That was the, yeah. <laughs> Rat! Hey. What are you? You're stupid. Why? What? I don't know. I don't know. You're not You're not stupid. John's stupid, but you're not. I love you, Rat. <laughs> what have you been doing? Uh, so one little side thing about how you hate the Mana series, apparently. Mm-hmm. The comparison I can make to that is how... I thought Tales of Symphonia was okay. Yeah. Like, it's a good game, but very highly rated among some people. <laughs> oh, God. Like, I, and, and for me, it's like, I just see those other games and have no interest in them whatsoever. It's like, they why are do they... so... Like, the Tales series <laughs> is the safest, most cliche anime stereotype yeah. stories ever. And it's just like... It looks really boring. And people just 
gravitate towards those games in droves. It's just like, I remember when I got I bought Tales of Graces F, and I oh, no. and I sent it back to Amazon the same damn day. I was like, good god! Every like in forty minutes, they presented me forty-seven stereotypes. Oh, that's funny. It was like, oh, wait, 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 wait! I remembered something. I um, I played the first two hours of Hyperdimension Neptunia. Oh, uh oh. That sounds yeah, like it'll um, be great. <laughs> um, you I made just, an just, interesting just, comment on Twitter about them not being sexy enough. No. <sighs> It was just like I felt um, like the hype, like I was witnessing like an alien's idea of human sexuality. <laughs> um, well, yeah, it, like, the Japanese. Okay, okay, there you go. <laughs> You're looking so, at people that can't draw vaginas for crying out loud. Yeah. Mm. So th- it wasn't that they weren't. Se- <laughs> it's not that they weren't sexy enough. It's that this, I that the fact that they think that this is is. Weirds me out a little bit, um, but yeah, it, it, the RPG parts were pretty fun. Um, I just got distracted by King of Fighters. King of Fighters. Yeah, I think that like you know you, you've you've only played a couple of hours, and I don't think that that game really gets a good kickoff until no. you know you get okay. past the first couple chapters, and then then it starts yeah. to hit. A Chapter three is really good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't, did. Y'all say that there were some nice like kind of nice moments. Like, oh, some there kind are of sweetness. There are, there's a lot of really just. Insultingly sweet moments. <laughs> I love insultingly sweet moments. Cool. I really would like it if Secret of Mana had more insultingly sweet moments. <laughs> no, that game's just got an insultingly stupid story. <laughs> it's got charm and fun. Like I don't yeah. think it's not trying to be sexy. Is the thing I was like. Yeah, I, like, I, I, I never to be cute. Like I, I can see oh. where maybe the existence of a few characters are meant to be sexy or some designs, but mm-hmm. I don't really think that the characters on the whole are all there meant to be sexually pandering to yeah. something. Yeah, like, which is good. Which is good because that kind of gives it room to be compelling. Um, beyond that, yeah, I think you'll find a little more to like about the once you get cool. past the first couple of chapters. Yeah, when I eventually stop in, stop feeling King of Fighters every sec, every um, second. Right. Oh, right. and and the main thing about Hyperdimension Neptunia was that I couldn't play it while Anna was in the room <laughs> or awake because she hated um, it. No, I I didn't want to um, at all. And but then she walked in, and then she was like, "John, I'm judging you." <laughs> It was just like some particularly incriminating moment, um, oh. and I was just like, I, uh, I just kind of shrugged my shoulders. <laughs> we talked about it, and I talked about what y'all found compelling in it, and that there was a nice dungeon crawling aspect to it. I'm trying. I'm trying to think about like what would be that incriminating, like what would be that gross or disturbing. I the sure. only thing I can think of is the bandage scene. Yeah, there's that at the beginning. Um, that wasn't well, every- that bad. No, no, no. It's, it's. I think she was just kind of she was just kind of put off by the very much the big anime vibe by the anime by titties. the vibe of it. But she um. watches anime. <laughs> you watch fucking Sailor Moon, Anna. Don't don't start judging me. <laughs> yeah. So. So. Um, yeah, that, that that game looks interesting. I I got drawn away by something. Um, you got drawn away by being more. embarrassed. Yeah, over nothing. Basically. All right, so Rhett, 
You want to you pick up where that left off? Uh, so speaking of movies, yeah, leading, uh, I saw the movie Tomorrowland, which is apparently like Disney's massive bomb that's oh. like losing them $140 million because oh, nobody wow. wants to see it. Uh, I'm bringing this up for two reasons. One is that it has a hilarious like Terminator reference in it. There, There's a little huh. girl who turns out to be a robot... And she basically remakes one of the scenes from Terminator 2. Oh, wow. Where it's like, the main character gets attacked and is about to die, and then this little girl comes in and, like, kicks the robot's ass and may, <laughs> may as well have said, like, come with me if you want to live, which I wish they would have just gone with just it. Just gone with it. Because then the next scene is, like, they're driving in a car and the little girl is running after the car, like, at full, like, 60 miles an hour, and oh, then she, God. like, jumps through the windshield. That it's, is... Like, that's remarkably r- badass and weird. <laughs> That's right out of T2. Yeah. I actually also the saw tra- T2 like a month Terminator ago. Genesis. Oh, that movie looks questionable. A lot like T2. <laughs> and but then yeah, Tomorrowland. The other thing in Tomorrowland is that in Pat's Mother 3 article, there's a paragraph towards the end where he talks about post-World War II world where everyone just kind of accepts that the world is going to end eventually mm-hmm. and that it'll, it'll have been our fault. That's like the main theme of this movie really uh-huh. is oh. like negative emotions leading to this inevitable conclusion and kind of a theme of positivity and believing in a good future. So I really like that. That's cool. The way people disguise, des- described it, it sounded a little too saccharine and naive even for me. <laughs> Wow. Um, I don't think it's it's not that bad. I mean, okay. it's that's cool. As a whole, the movie is kind of weird, but it had a little girl who was a robot and kicked ass. <laughs> that's, and that's basically all that's you need. For me. That's all you need for yeah. to enjoy. That's cool. Anything. We actually went in and saw the first 15 minutes of that. And then Which, the idea was yet. that we decide whether or not we wanted to see that or um, Far From the Madding Crowd, which was like a old period piece romance and then oh. we went into that and I looked at Ma- Anna and looked at dad and they were like alright let's go I was oh, like, okay. wow. <laughs> and then it wound up being a really kick ass period piece romance so I had a nice time okay but um so yeah we did not see the rest of Tomorrowland <laughs> so John what did you think of Faith No More's third album oh, uh, King for a Day King for a Day Fool for a Lifetime the third Patton album the third Patton album you actually, can't see yeah. it but I'm giving two thumbs up all right. Yeah, it's a great album. It's a great album. I think that of all of their albums, I think it has their most iconic work, and I think it's their most consistent other than Soul Invictus. Oh, I think I get the subtext here. Though I, though I still... Re- th- you can keep talking. Though I still like... I, I, I still like Angel Dust better, personally, but um, King for a Day, Fool for a Lifetime is a fantastic stellar record. What do you think, Rhett? I saw the movie Spy. Ooh, how was that? I liked it. Woo! Yay! Uh, so, <laughs> sorry. A lot of people, you know, Mad Max is getting all the attention for being like this feminist action movie. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, the big thing about Spy really is that it's getting fucking crushed by Jurassic World because yeah. Jurassic World is making like a billion dollars a day. And Spy, like, came in number two with like 15 million. Yeah, 15 million. Like, and then, like, un- like, you know, there's a big 85 million jump. Yeah. No, like the first week Jurassic did like the first weekend it did like two hundred and eight million. Fuck. Like, new world record or whatever. 
but uh, Spy is like in in like a gender inverted version of like those James Bond movies. Oh. where like the main character is played by Melissa McCarthy and. Like, the villain's also a woman, and the, the side characters are all kind of hunky guys instead oh. of, like, these sex pot women. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So, so it was pretty cool. And, like, the one thing that really stuck out to me is that it's not mean-spirited in its comedy, oh, wow. which is, like, so incredibly rare when you have, you know, kind of overweight characters or, and such. That's really nice. That's why Anna didn't want to see it. She was worried that that's all it was going to be. It's, I, de- I definitely. I mean, I'm just one opinion, but I definitely yeah, do not think it's that. Like one of the cool. recurring gags is like that the CIA has like an infestation of rats. Like it's just random. Like they'll cut the people. <laughs> yeah, it's just random dumb jokes like that where they'll, they'll like cut to somebody in the office and there's just a rat on their keyboard for no reason. <laughs> and then in one scene, like bats go flying out of the rafters for no reason. Okay. Just funny weird stuff like that. And, like, Jason Statham plays, like, the CI agent, and he's, like, a total asshole, but then he's also, like, incompetent and a bumbling idiot. <laughs> but he takes Which is he totally, t- like, the exact yeah. opposite of what he gets cast as in those yeah. kinds of movies. But he, like, his entire character is, like, I once got stranded in the Alps and had to feed on mice corpses for three years. <laughs> like, he's, like, constantly telling these stories about what a badass he is. And then he never, like, actually does anything cool in the movie. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So I like that. And then I played some video games. Who cool. cares about those? Yeah, this isn't much of a video game podcast, I guess. Uh, speaking of Neptunia, I played Neptun- Hyperdimension Neptunia Rebirth 2 Sisters Generation. That's a mouthful. Yeah, it is. What'd you think? I like it. I played uh, I played the first four hours and it uh-huh. ju- it did not it yeah. hasn't grabbed me yet. I, I think I, this I, one has an even worse start than the original uh, because it's living in the because se- it's in the first game shadow and it's trying to like foist all of these new characters on you that yeah, I, like I, I grew to like that cast of characters in that first game so much that it's so hard for me to really give a shit about Nepgear or Uni or anybody else. Yeah, I think for me that game like didn't really start until I got red, and then I'm like, okay, this is like your nep stand in for a little bit. Yeah, definitely. She's really fun. Yeah, she's definitely but, added a bit of liveliness to the party that was not there for the first few hours. Yeah, the first it's a real drag because Nepgear kind of remains the shitty protagonist the whole time. Oh. Where she, where like Neptune is like kind of this. I don't know how to word it. Like she's kind of a gung ho idiot with a good heart, and yeah. and she's generally pretty damn funny. Whereas Nepgear, yeah. Nepgear is trying to be very stoic. Yeah, and when you're surrounded by characters that are as silly as the characters in in Neptunia, then it, it yeah. just her 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 whole demeanor doesn't work. Yeah, like Neptune is like a hyperized version of Usagi in Sailor Moon, mm-hmm. but just the goofy side of her. Yeah. And, and the Nepgear is just kind of the stand, bog standard anime protagonist, like, I'll save everyone, and I'm the hero, and I need to be strong, because I am weak now. And Where, just, whereas like, Neptune, moping around so much. Neptune like, is I, just... I failed. Neptune, save everyone. You know, Neptune, whereas Neptune is just super hyper excited no matter what. Even when she's lost yeah. all of her powers, she's just like, oh, well, I'm the protagonist. <laughs> It'll work out. Yeah. 
Like, she's fourth wall breaking constantly, just yeah. like, we'll be fine. We'll be I can't fine. die. I mean, I'm the main character. <laughs> yeah. And then having If and Kampa there, like, it's like such a retread of the first game, but then without Neptune as the backbone holding it together. Yeah. But I think once you get red and you get a little further in, like, once you go to Lean Box, it starts to open up a bit. And I think they do good things with the maker characters in this one who are the characters based on, like, other game manufacturers. Yeah. So, like, you meet Cave and 5PB, and they feel more integrated into the story than a lot of the makers in the first game. Whereas they just kind of, like, popped in, yeah, popped out, and then they all just kind of joined your party in one big swath. Yeah, that was so bad. So in this one, there are a few makers that still do that, or they're, they're like, literally optional. Mm -hmm. Like, Tekken and, like, the ones from the first game, like, CyberConnect... Like, those are optional, but the ones that are introduced for the Rebirth series in here, like Red and 5PB and Cave, like, they're worked into the story way better than before. That's cool. That's cool. And then, because it's such a long time before you actually get another CPU to join your party, like, they are useful in battle. Yeah. Because once you get the CPUs, once you get ROM and RAM and Uni, it's like, okay, like, that's the party you kind of want. Yeah. Because... And the EXE moves don't feel as broken at the start when you first get them. Because, mm. like, in the first game, when you get Vert's EXE, like, it becomes, it becomes the win button. Yeah. And then, so enemies, like, the bosses towards the back half of the game, like, they do not have quite as insane HP regen as everything in the first game. Like, the first game was like, oh, this boss restores half of its life every turn, so you better just stack up four e- EXEs and pray. Yeah, yeah, that that got a little tedious towards the back end of that game. Yeah. So hopefully, like, they've balanced that out a bit yeah. more. So this game is way more balanced. Unfortunately, that means it's also just way more e- easier. Oh. So it's, it's a trifle, pretty much, from start to finish. Which is good and bad, because it doesn't have, like, the stupid difficulty spikes of the first game, but... Like, it doesn't have the bullshit moments like the skill seal boss from the first one. I thought that was pretty alright. Oh, that... Why? I liked that fight. I thought it worked out fine. This is like, I lost it once, and then it was like, oh, okay, I know what I'm going to do. But what... We're getting real inside here, but I thought that was a dumb boss fight, because all you can do is attack. So where's the strategy? Eh. It works. But, uh... So gameplay-wise, I do think it is kind of the better game overall. But, like, the story overall isn't as good as the first game. That's unfortunate. And yeah. it, it really has a lot to do, I think, with just Nepgear not being part of the yeah. joke. Whereas everybody was sort of part of the joke in the first yeah. game. Whereas Nepgear is just, like I said, this stoic, you know, anime bullshit yeah. protagonist figure that has to be strong. Yeah. yeah. And she never really changes as a character either. That's really unfortunate. So, like, thank God you do get Neptune back in the party. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And they really do their best to try to liven things up. Like, there are a freaking ton of event skits that just pop up on the world map that have nothing to really do with the main story. That are just, like, just little side things of Nepgear and Neptune interacting. Or, like, all the sisters interacting with, you know, their counterpart to really try to flesh out as much as they can. Like, and I think that they handle the Lily system like that now, don't they? Whereas you get a lot of mm. Lily level ups from those. I'd really try not to pay attention to that system. 
Like I just I just noticed that when I like the ones that yeah. I did, like I was getting Lily level ups every time I did one, so Yeah. Like you get those, but like that system is still pretty stupid. Yeah. I wasn't I wasn't like paying I, attention to the num- what actual benefits I'm getting from yeah, it. Yeah, I don't pay attention to the benefits. I was just like who's the other character I want to swap in. Yeah, pretty much. Because the one thing that I thought was weird in this is that Kampa is still kind of, like, broken with healing. Because she oh, can yeah. just yeah. group heal 30% every turn. Mm-hmm. So I thought had thought they were going to do more magic being a stat that you had to pay attention to. But nope. Nope, <laughs> nope. <laughs> they did kind of fix HP rings being completely broken, though. Like, they don't seem as strong and they're not available in the shop, so you only have a couple... I found a couple already, yeah, you know, just, that, that was, just in the field. So Yeah, but I didn't feel like I was relying on those yeah, near not as at much. All. Like, when I got red, I was like, oh, she has really low accuracy. Like, I should put an accuracy ring on her. Yeah, and you're not wasting a slot since, yeah. you know, the HP rings aren't quite as vital. Yeah, so that was good. So, gameplay-wise, it is a marginal improvement. I mean, it's still... <laughs> it's still the a, same thing. Yeah. I thought it was hilarious that the one dungeon they do reuse from the first game is that fucking factory. God, yeah, as soon as I went in, I was like, God damn it, you guys. But that's the the one they reuse, and it's still in the game, like, three times. God damn like, it. So they're just fucking trolling at this point. <laughs> yeah, that's a fun game, and I, like, did everything possible pretty much on New Game Plus, or not in, t- in New Game, and then I started new, new Game Plus to try to get some of the secret endings, and Oh boy, that game gets real fucking boring when you're just holding square to skip through the text. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to need a podcast for this or something because I really <laughs> want to get the crazy evil ending. Yeah. But like skipping through that game is so boring. And then walking through the dungeon and ignoring the enemies and then killing the boss in one hit and walking out. Yeah. It's like you spend more time like clicking through chirper events than playing the game. Yeah. There's so much text in that game. But I like it, but of the first three, this is probably, like, the one you could skip. Yeah, three three definitely looks sort of like, you know, getting out of that sophomore slump. Yeah, return to form with Neptune, and I really like the idea of them going back in time. Yeah, it's really cool. I can't wait to see how that plays I, out. I, yeah. So, speaking of games that are anime i played the legend of korra oh the platinum game yeah the platinum game that had the great misfortune of coming out at the same time as another platinum game bayonetta 2 yeah so this game got fucking slammed by critics and i can't help if wonder if the timing was really bad dude uh, so what do you think of the Korra game and in response to because the only thing i've ever seen is like this thing is just boring (laughs) Oh. It's it's weird. It doesn't play horribly, like it plays fine, but yeah, it's just it's fine. Like it's a functionable <laughs> game. Yeah. Like for a licensed game and like as someone who liked the cartoon series, like yeah, it's great. It's just a fine action game and as a platinum game, it's yeah. yeah. I I did like the last boss even though like by platinum standards, it's not an amazing final boss, but it was a certainly a ray of sunshine in this game. <laughs> Where At least there's like, some level of escalation there. Yeah. Oh, there's one part like during a fake dream sequence, you play as like giant spirit Korra from oh, the end God. of season two, 
where like <laughs> you become like building size and punch some mechs that are building size. So that was fun. So it, it's just kind of a fun little fan service thing, really. Like because I was able to like know all the references and stuff. Like I probably enjoyed it more than somebody who had no affinity for the source material would probably just be like, "This is boring as fuck." Yeah. But you can really tell it's like so budget where like you go through the city and there's just no life to it. Like, oh, this part of the town is abandoned. What a great excuse. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought I was going to want to go through that game on the harder difficulty that, that you unlock and that like you have all five or, or all four elements. Mm-hmm. But I'm just like, I don't really know if I want to go back to it. Like, it's just, it's fine. And you fight the same enemies pretty much the whole game. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's okay. It's, it's, no. eh. <laughs> could have been worse. Yeah. I, yeah, it definitely Ooh. could have been worse. Like, it is a functional action game. It's just, doesn't have that platinum spark, really. Yeah. Mm, over. Uh, so Steam sale is on. I'm buying, like, lots of cheap little small games, trying them out. I played Dead Core. What is this? <laughs> this is a first-person speedrunning game. It's a lot like Cloud Built. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Except you don't have like wall jump or wall running and everything. You have a double jump and like an air dash. Mm. But it's pretty good. The one thing that really struck up me is really weird is that the levels are super long. Oh. Like whereas in Cloud Built you have like the four main paths that are like five levels long. Yeah. This has five levels. Oh, and they're just really long. And they're just really long. I like. I think in the Giant Bomb Quick Look, they might not have gotten past the first one. Oh wow! Because the first, for me, the first level like took over ten minutes, and then two and three were like twenty minutes long each, and then level four was like an hour and a half because it gets really hard. Holy crap! <laughs> and then level five was like another hour forty, and by that point, I'm like, there better be checkpoints because I cannot do this in one sitting. Because that game gets bonkers. Because Eventually, towards the end, they introduce, like, gravity mechanics. Oh, good. Where, like, when you're standing in this space, this, you'll be, your center of gravity will rotate 90 degrees, so you're walking on the wall, but then when you leave, you, the camera flips around and Ugh. you're back to normal gravity. Yeah, it gets pretty crazy. I might have to do, a, like, a video, a video. Rets- a, a on ret- it. A Rets play. Rets play. I keep saying I'm going to bring that back and then never do anything. You're lazy. Yeah, that game's... It's fine. Like, I don't think it's as good as Cloud Built. And the speedrunning aspect that it really do- tries to push, like, seems so weirdly uh, contrasting to these levels being really Yeah, long. it seems really at odds, you know. Yeah. Because, like, when you think of a speed, you know, a speedrunning game, I think either something like Super yeah. Beat Boy or Lovely Planet, which are just very focused on these yeah, very lovely- bite-sized stages. Especially Lovely Planet, where those things are, like, 30 seconds long. Yeah, and the game kind of forces you through. You know, yeah. like you can't really stop during those stages at all yeah. because of the tomatoes that are shot at you. Yeah. I just wonder why this game did, didn't just have five worlds instead of these massive levels. It's we're we're going to have uh, the developers on next week, so you can oh, ask great. them. <laughs> yeah. I'm kidding. I, I realized that. <laughs> You didn't even know what this game was two minutes ago. No, I didn't. <laughs> I will say it's a really, really nice-looking game. Yeah, just, looking at the screenshots now, it definitely has a style. Because it's, it's like that cloud-built style of yeah. 
floating buildings in the sky, but like super high fidelity. Yeah. And, like it runs really well. I like that. Anyways. And one other thing is like there's collectibles in the stages that'll unlock other paths that are harder. Oh. So I have haven't seen too much of that. Like you can play the those segments by themselves in the menu. It's mm-hmm. kind of weird. Like it doesn't explain itself too well. Huh. So I might might go through that game again sometime. Uh, and then hyped by E3 perhaps and 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 playing Dead Core no doubt and playing a, a speed running game. I went back to the original Mirror's Edge. Mm-hmm. And that game is interesting. Oh, <laughs> have you had some changing thoughts on it? I no, I still like that game. It's just going back to it, like in 2015. It's weird. <laughs> like, like, it's like what still amazes me, like, um, it, it's just the amount of controls there are, and how many, like, and how much, how many buttons you have to use to control that game well. Whereas I think that a lot of other speed games or just first-person games in general have condensed things a little bit in modern times. I was almost going to say the exact opposite of, like, this game is a lot of holding W and pressing space. Really? Because I remember yeah. using, like, a lot of the, like... The, it does... Yeah, it does like open the up, up and down the actions and um, the tumbling and things like that. Uh, I just remember a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah, you can press shift and you can press Q, but I'm not sure what else there is besides that. I would actually like to see them kind of expand the moveset in a sequel. Because there's some parts where it's just like, well, if I could, like, lower myself down this ledge and shimmy around the corner, I'd be fine. But you can't do that. It's kind of weird things. But, like, it feels like a game caught between the big publisher space and the indie space where... In some aspects, it's super minimalistic. Like, there's no HUD at all. There's just a dot in the middle of the screen. Yeah. And then, in other aspects, it's like the epitome of the big publisher game where you have this one linear track, for the most part, that you follow. And while the story plays out, and it's like kind of content tourism. Yeah. So it's it's a weird game. Like, it's amazing that it came from EA of all publishers, really. Yeah. And that wasn't like, you know, an EA partners thing where they, you know, this yeah. was done by dice. This was done by dice of all, you know, who the, I didn't know when this came out, like that. They were like the battle, the battlefield dude. people, you know, like, yeah. it's a weird thing, not only coming from EA, but coming from that company in particular. Yeah. There are some things about it that don't hold up very well. Like the city is just empty. Like there's yeah. people, like, so it kind of takes the illusion out when you're like running through city streets in one part, and there's no pedestrians. Yeah, and they're just trying to fake it with sound effects. Yeah, but I do lo- love the music in that game. Oh, Very- the soundtrack in that game is delightful. Yeah, so I'm I'm about like halfway through a replay. Cool. It's, it's it doesn't take a- you too long though. <laughs> no, I sure. I started last night. I was just yeah. like, I should play that. Yeah. So that's about it. Cool. 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 You've Thank been you. up to some great things. I got up to some of the old video gamery junk myself. Woo! I know that's hard to believe, given, you know, how much <laughs> I hate video games and despise them. Shock, shock, horror. I know, right? Uh, so, uh, uh, Poncho, album of the year, what did you think? <laughs> uh... I think 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 it had its good qualities to it a bit on the on the brief side. Mm-hmm. Um, you can kind of tell they were kind of going through the motions on a couple of tracks, but they still handed out some um, 
Uh, some pretty impressive things. My, my preferred cut off of that one is probably Strip Search. Strip Search and Collision are probably my two jams from that album. Collision yeah. is probably one, one of the best uh, openers of, of any is, album, period. Oh, God, that is such a great opener. It just I mean, smacks it, it's, you it's, in the it's face. It's simple, but, but brutal. And I, and I think, you know, there are a few other tracks that, you know, are along that same vein that I don't know if they're as effective as Collision, but I always liked them naked in front of the computer for, yeah, you know, sort of yeah. similar reasons. Huh. I really like Reapers and The Handler. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think Reapers is probably my favorite track <laughs> off that album. Um, uh, I hate the last two uh, tracks. They're terrible. Yeah. Uh, Matt, Matthew Bellamy, his head is so far up his own ass, he's actually being able to converse with the echoes, you know, with them. Like, that's just a recording of... It's a field recording in his ass of him screaming in his own ass. And literally, the song is called Drones, and it's literally him just droning. That's it. Muse puts me to sleep when it's not pissing me off. I like Muse. I think that they're all right. Their last couple of albums weren't super great for me, but I think Drones is pretty good, minus the whole being brickwalled into oblivion that I can't really listen to it because it hurts my ears. That's every album, seemingly, these days. This one is especially so. Like, I, like, like even Sol Invictus is mixed with, uh, is mastered pretty badly, but I can listen to Sol Invictus four or five times in a row, and it doesn't kill me. This album, the, the new Muse album, was mixed and, rec- and, like, mastered and recorded in the red. It is just a terrible mess. Like, I don't even think vinyl would help that album any. I saw, like, there's that... Was a dynamic range database, mm-hmm. and somebody had a vinyl up there, and it didn't seem like it was much better. Ow! Like it, it was still like yellow for Eesh. whatever. That's pretty bad. Uh, but with album of the year, I think Faith No More was basically kind of just <laughs> making the album that people wanted them to make. I guess is sort of how I always felt about that record. Mm. I but I, I get you guys. You know we. We haven't really touched on the non-Mike Patton albums, so you're probably in the clear. We probably won't have to talk about Faith No More anymore this podcast. <laughs> Introduce yourself. What was a valiant effort, I thought. It was all right. Obviously, Ch- Chuck Mosley wasn't wasn't the guy for the job, no, but he, no. he was serviceable, you know, when, when needed. Yeah. You know, but, you know, just listening to some of that stuff, you could kind of tell that, you know... The band right then and there had so much potential, but, you know, Patton was always kind of the missing piece there. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, Mr. Bungle, what do you guys think? All right, well, moving on to (laughs) Mike Patton projects. (laughs) I like all three Mr. Bungle albums, actually, so, yeah. I I usually go back and forth between um, Disco Volante and California. Yeah, I I think they're all three stellar, though. I love them all. Yeah. I was actually listening to uh, California for the first time in a while uh, about a week ago during my, um, you know, one of my power walking endeavors. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> I'm trying to think of how how we can just turn this into a more faith no more cast. <laughs> so that Dillinger escape plan. What do you think? <laughs> I've never actually listened to it, but I did see a YouTube video where they mixed all uh, Dillinger Escape Plans, Dillinger Escape Plan tracks into one long track. Yeah, it is uh, spectacularly uh, cacophonous. Yeah. <laughs> so I played video games. Yay, video games! And none of them involved Faith No More or Mike Patton. 
Cool. You didn't, you didn't play so Bionic no Commando. Darkness, no Bionic <laughs> Commando. I didn't play Bionic Commando. I didn't play The Darkness. I didn't play Portal. I didn't play The Last of Us. So I think we've reached the end of our Mike Patton <laughs> joke for the podcast. And no rock band with Epic on it. There you go. <laughs> I wanted it all, but I can't have it. Um, anyway, so I got to, like, the last time we were together and podcasted about the things we did, I had played um, uh, Ratchet and Clank, uh, A Crack in Time, which I was thoroughly, in, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think it was great. I think Rhett mm-hmm. needs to play it. Yep. Um, but uh, it got me kind of wanting to explore that, that like, PS2 era of... Um, uh, of platformers again because like it's so weird that like so many like streamers and speedrunners and let's players I hear talk about like that is sort of like their quote unquote retro so like hearing people talking about like Spyro and like Jack and Daxter as being like their retro games it's just like that's a bit of a trip for me and it's just yeah. like I, I didn't play most of those games so um Funny thing that happened, like, while I was out, I just happened to cross a $15 copy of the Sly Collection, which is uh, the first three uh, Sly Cooper games uh, on one little collection. And I'd always had a healthy interest in those games, and I'd seen a friend play through quite a bit of Sly 2, and it seemed really cool. So I picked it up, and I played through uh, the first game, Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoonus. our uh, our European fans may know it as just Sly Raccoon because they couldn't call it Sly Cooper over there because I guess Cooper is slang for wiener in some part of uh, Europe. <laughs> so it's just, oh man! So it's just called. Really, that so becomes a really funny title. Fanny Tallywhacker. <laughs> really does. My Wanking Sly Cooper. <laughs> I'm gonna get my Sly Cooper all up in your business. Um. So, like, the Sly Cooper games, they're just, like, it's, like, platformer mixed with, like, some very rudimentary uh, stealth action. Um, And what immediately surprised me was just how well the game communicates its stealth aspect to you. Like, you will always know whether you can be detected or not, because um, enemies either usually have flashlights, or if there's something like... um, a laser or something like you can see like a laser grid where you know i can't sneak through the laser grid or if i step through it you know it sets the alarm off um and it's definitely kind of got that binary state of like if you fuck up and are detected you're basically dead because i think all of the enemies in the game have homing attacks that you just can't dodge oh so you're oh. kind of you're kind of forced to, uh, to play through it um uh, in a stealthy manner and that always involves you trying to find like you know, it's like, it's like it, it involves a lot of being very keenly aware of your surroundings. Just like, you know, like, I cannot figure a way around this guy. Oh, well, if I look over here a little bit, there's a pipe that I can climb up and, you know, go up there and whack the dude with my big pimp cane if I want. It's pretty awesome. He's got a cane that he just whacks people with, and he can use it to, like, hang on and swing from poles and shit. Um... Uh, but what really, uh, I, I, you know, it's like the, the, the platforming's solid, and aside from the stealth mechanic, it's a very, very basic platformer. Like, one hit kills, like, you know, basically everything kills you in one hit, and all normal enemies are killed in one hit. It's very arcadey in that sense. Um, but what really struck me about the game was it's just like, it has this unique sense of style that I don't think I've seen... Uh, replicated in too many other games where, like, the backgrounds in particular, everything has this, like, 1950s and 60s kind of quality to it, 
uh, where it's just like it looks like a, like a 1950s and 60s cartoon, and uh, the way the game is cell shaded uh, gives it a very unique look that uh, I don't think many people go for. Like, there's not a lot of grounded in reality kind of things, even though you're jumping on buildings and like vehicles and things that are very much part of the real world. They're given this 19. 19- 50s and 60s kind of flair with the way that they've chosen to present it, that uh, it just really makes it pop in a way that like a typical platformer from that era didn't really pop. So um, yeah, the, the the first Sly Cooper game, it's pretty basic, it's pretty solid. And, like I, I can give it a pretty good recommendation. Uh, cool. The only the only problem I have with it is they kind of fudged up one of the boss fights uh, because it's it's a rhythm game that's supposed to be in time with the music but for some reason like the music starts playing beforehand oh jeez and so like when the 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 rhythm part of the game starts it's completely out of sync with the song oh. and that threw me off uh, really badly so I, I had to turn off the music for that portion um, of the game in order to get through it um, but it's got um, you know, along with its platforming it's got a great little collection of mini games and side missions that it makes you do um, they're, they're all like, like there's no optional part of it unfortunately where if like, you do get stuck on something you're gonna have to find a way to bang your head against it uh, which I know that the later games sort of um, they're better about that, um, but I for you know like for uh, as against many games in my normal games as I am, I actually enjoyed a lot of the variety that um, like the little mini games did. They did like some very rudimentary dual stick shooters, some tower defense stuff, uh, a few races that are just ball crushingly difficult, but I had a lot of fun with. Um, and then, like, the last um, area of the game is just, like, all of this completely new content that you've never done before. You're given some new vehicles and toys to play around with that you hadn't before. So, all in all, like, the game does, like, a surprising amount of variety. Um, it encourages you to look for secrets. Um, like, every stage has a certain number of, number of clue bottles that when you collect them, you can open a safe that'll get you a, a new move that you can do. Uh, or it can upgrade moves that you already have, whereas like there's an ability where you can just turn invincible, invisible that you get at the end of a stage for, for beating a boss, but if you open a safe later in the game, it'll allow you to move while you're invisible. So uh, it, it really encourages you to do that. Uh, it encourages you to play through time trials where uh, you play through each stage as quickly as you can because when you do that, you unlock uh, developer commentary uh, for every stage in the game, which is another hmm. really cool aspect. Uh, so it's um, oh, neat. Yeah, I found myself really enjoying it. I platinumed the game. I've never platinumed <laughs> a, a PS3 game before, but I did everything in uh, the first Sly Cooper game, and I had a really good fun doing it, even when it involved me going back and playing stages and playing through many games and stuff that I'd already done before. Nothing really felt bad because the game overall just has a really good feel to it. I like the aesthetic. I like, you know, that it's more about sneaking around and just being, you know, a thieving little asshole than it is, you know, uh, about like it's a good contrast with like the run and gun blow shit up uh, that I was playing, you know, a few weeks ago with Ratchet and Clank. Um, So uh, uh, when I found the Sly collection, I also happened to find a dirt cheap copy of the Jack and Daxter collection. (laughs) So I, a game John was talking shit about. Yeah, well, I think we were week. we were both talking shit about it uh, <laughs> last time. So I played through 
Jack and Daxter the Precursor Legacy. That is cool, the, the whole thing? That's Yes, the, the first wow. game of the series. I played through the whole thing. And um, when I started out, it was just like, I, was, I had that feeling that me and John shared the last time of, yeah, I mean, this is competent, but really, like, what's it doing that's really, you know, that important? What, what makes it that great? Why am I not just jumping to Jack 2 since that is the far better game? But... The more that I started playing, the more I came to come to uh, an appreciation of how that game presents its content and how um, and how you're asked to go through each world um, through exploration because it, it functions on the same sort of um, breadcrumb trail to keep you going like Super Mario 64 where they're like there are these power cells you have to collect and you're thrown into a big level where there are just a whole bunch of them and you have to find out how to get them and whereas Super Mario 64 will give you like a little vague hint at the start um, Jack and Daxter is more of a seamless world where you end up going into these places without much of a loading zone or anything it's just kind of like the, the there's no is, paintings or hub yeah, it's kind of got, like, these three big hub worlds where there are, like, three or four levels in each one, and you go in and just start, um, you explore, you know? Like, the game doesn't tell you, like, do such and such to find this power cell. You just kind of got to look around the levels, play around with the abilities that you have, um, play around with the mechanics that they give you. Like, there are different colors uh, of eco power that you can get. They allow you to do things like run faster, jump higher, throw fireballs, make your attacks stronger, uh, and things like that. And um, I found myself really kind of getting into how the game asks you to explore these really big open areas to find things that you'd never thought of like i didn't know there was a thing over here how the hell did i never think to get them there before and it 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 really rewards exploration and uh i'm really surprised that i ended up enjoying the first jack and daxter as much as i did cool it's it's not what a nice surprise you know it was (laughs) i was like i was fully expecting to come on like to like to throw it in play it for about three or four hours and come on this podcast and just be like yep we were right that game's trash and while Mm -hmm. i don't while i don't think i still don't think that it um that it's as interesting as where that series ended up going Mm -hmm. i still actually i got a soft spot in my heart for uh the first jack and daxter game i think that it's pretty solid it's platforming mechanics feel good the level designs are really well done when you consider just how large they are, but uh-huh. how but how all of those large levels can still feel like they're broken up into smaller little bite-sized areas for you to explore, or just for the purpose of you finding this one power cell. So, you know, I ended up, like, that's not a game I'm going to 100% because it, it requires a lot. It requires collecting every, like, you know, the equivalent every of coins. Coin. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I'm not going to find all 2,000 of those uh, precursor orbs. Only 2,000. Yeah. I I ended up, like, I ended my game, like, without going out of my way and finding that many. I ended my game by finding about 1,300 of them. So, Uh Uh, and I found, I think, 81 power cells out of 101. So, cool. Well, I guess Cyclus has um, 700 power collectibles. And I'm like, yeah, that game's red. (laughs) Yeah, good job. How many bananas does Donkey Kong 64 have? Oh, my God. (laughs) And then there's, like, the different colored bananas and the different colored medallions for every Kong. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. But, yeah. Bananas you can um, only get with one character. Yep. 
<laughs> but um, yeah, I actually really uh, enjoyed my time with the first Jack and Daxter. I think I'm gonna like, I think I'm gonna take a break from platformers for now. Like I'm definitely I, I'm yeah. definitely very excited to get back to uh, the Sly Cooper games because I want to play Sly Two a lot because I know that that's like the one everybody's kind of all up on. <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm definitely up for a replay of the second Jack game. So um, cool. You know, there's a lot of cool things coming in my future and. Uh, you know, I ended up being a lot more positive uh, on that first Jack game than I thought I would be. So um, that's about all I've been up to. Can I ask you a question about Sly? Absolutely. So you said it's like a stealth game mm-hmm. for the most part. Because I played a little bit of one of the newer ones. Mm-hmm. I think Thieves uh, in Time. Thieves in Time, yeah. And it just, I didn't play that for that long, but it just didn't click with me at all. It just kind of felt like this weightless open world thing where it didn't matter if I got Saw or not. Really? Because, like, uh, I've seen a few people stream that game, and they were definitely doing missions, and, like, there were uh, definitely fail states for missions, too, where, like, if they got caught, you know, they would be sent back. Uh, I, like, um, I know that in Sly 2, there is stealth in the open world, uh, and you're not, l- like, and, like, when uh, a guard sees you, they'll run for an alarm, and if they set off that alarm, like, other people will come towards you, so it still, like, behooves you to stay silent yeah. in the uh, in the overworld. So, like I haven't played uh, Thieves in Time. I've heard yeah. I've heard mixed opinions on it really. Um yeah. so uh, you know, I might play that at some point, but right now I'm just kind of looking forward to playing Sly 2 and 3 to kind of see where those go. Yeah. Do you know when they added like the other playable characters? Uh, that's like... in Sly 2. Oh, okay. Yeah, in Sly 2 you can play as Bentley and uh and the Murray. The Murray, kind of, yes. <laughs> the Murray. Because that seems like something that might compromise the level design when you're building it f- for three different characters. Yeah, I, I think that um, like it might just be mission-specific uh, in Sly uh, 2. I'm not sure. But I think that like you know, like you can choose to like play around in the open world with but uh, with all of the characters. But you that but like each mission may just be locked to a certain character. Okay. Like, I, know, I know that there are missions where you will like be one character and then you will switch off to another character and then back. <laughs> but I don't know in terms of like how open they are about letting you just play any part of the game with any character. That's the heists. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's how the second game goes down is that like you spend <laughs> you spend your entire time in the open world like casing out the joint that you're going to uh, that you're going to lift the heist from, and then there's a big heist at the end of the mission, like at the end of that world where you've got to go in and use everything you've learned uh, to pull off a big heist. Cool. Maybe I'll give that Thieves in Time another shot sometime. Yeah, I, I think that the first game was really good. Uh, it's basic, you know, and it, it feels like this definitely like was a starting point for them with where they went with the second game, having an open world and being definitely you know, a lot more open with how you approach things. Uh, but yeah, maybe give uh, Thieves in Time another shot. Give us some time to kind of uh, let it get its hooks into you, you know, because he's, hey, hey, he's, hey, hey. he's got a hook cane. Hey, see what I did there? Yeah. Yoink. Alright, so now that all of the video game movie Faith No More stuff is out of the way. Uh, Rhett, I've got just one question for you. Okay. What do you think of Angel Dust? Do you like that album? No. I sent it to you a while back. Oh, did you? Yeah. Did no. you not listen to it? I'm, I'm, I think I, I thought it was fine. You should listen to it again. I, I because should listen you should, to it again. <laughs> you should listen to it again and think that it's fucking fantastic. I'll send him another copy in case he didn't get it the first time. <laughs> All right, good. 
Good. Well, well, I, have right. a question. I have a question for Red, actually. Okay. <laughs> How's early access going? Uh, it's coming to Xbox One. <laughs> yeah! Isn't that great? Well, Ooh, can y'all ask, ask me? Wow. Can y'all ask me? Uh, John, I have a question that I want to ask you. Okay. Okay, right now, on the spot, could yes. you compose a song about being sad about cleaning up dog poop? I'm sad because I have to clean up the dog poop. Why do you still sound happy? Dog poop. I'm sad about cleaning up the dog poop. It'd be old sound all right if we put it in a minor key. Yeah. I, that, I thought that was a minor key. Hmm. That might have been. I'm not, I'm not good with keys. Okay, John. Uh, a serious question time, though. Okay. How's Early Access doing? Well, there's this game called TIS-100. It's by the people who made Space Chem. It's intended... It's basically complete. It's intended to be in, access, in Early Access for like a month and a half. And they've done this with other games before, and it's worked out great. It's for seven bucks now, and it'll be $7 when it's released. So it's the least scammy, pleasantest possible incarnation of Early Access. And they have, and they have a known record for not being scummy. Yeah, they made Space Cam and Infinifactory. Yes. And this game is about um, fixing a computer with assembly, with a fake assembly language programming. Mm-hmm. It is a video game where you, it comes with a 14-page instruction manual <laughs> you're intended to print out that's, like, very detailed and then read and then play. And it's all, like, really dense assembly language programming, the video game. And we support this because these guys are not being scummy. They're using early access in yep. a way that isn't scammy. It isn't shitty. They're doing yep. it right. They're like the Vlambeers of the world. Exactly. And the game itself sounds just like heaven. I cannot well, I, to some people. wait to play it, play this game. This sounds fucking amazing. People I thought, bought Space Cam because it was on sale. People thought, um, hack, so and, people thought hack and Slash was going to be good, and then Aww. apparently it didn't turn out great. All the people that are really digging TIS 100 are like, like I follow, I think Fiona Adams is her name. Um, she um, is like, well, there's like people who work on like emulator programming, like down to the metal, mm-hmm. um, are totally into this game. Assembly language programmers are totally into this game. Um, Great back of the box quote. I've only been able to do a little bit of assembly programming because I've only taken two classes that asked me to do any of it, and it was a blast. So I get to play assembly language video game, and it has, like, a little story, apparently, that you piece together through, like, commented code and um, writing scrawled in the margins of the manual. Like, what is this thing, this thing that I desperately needed that I didn't realize I desperately needed? So... There go, you go TIS 100. TIS go early 100. access in this case. Go get it on early access because these guys are good for it. Yep. It's it's too bad it's not actual code and you could like actually learn from the game. Yeah, that would be well, really cool. I mean, I mean, assembly, there's like a trillion different variations of yeah. assembly. Yeah. And um, if once you've learned like the basic logic for how that works, it actually does carry over into learning all those other variations of assembly language programming. That's cool. So so much yeah. so much like uh, a lot of music teachers have used uh, rhythm heaven to teach basic rhythm skills. Hey, 
All right. Yep. So other so than far. that, <laughs> so other than that, Rhett, um, how's that early access doing otherwise? I think Joylancer is still early access. Yeah, that's still hanging in there. That game looks cool, but I tried playing it again, and it's like, no, this <laughs> is still not finished. And it's still, like, has a bunch of stuff that's not finished, and it's hard for me to figure it out. Plus, it's just... I think that game comes with like a seven-page manual, but it's, but it's just it's like all game mechanic. Yes, it's like like we were talking about King of Fighters earlier. That game looks like it's just going to be the densest um, actiony action mechanic game. Yeah, that's just made for like the really people who are like super complex with that genre words. Um, yeah, Joy Lancer looks like it's going to be something cool. All something right. very inaccessible, but cool. So, um, early access is still mostly shit, though, because yeah. you, you, you've got projects that are just being stolen wholesale now by people. Uh, uh, it's ridiculous. Like I said, if you want to keep up with early access, it's craziness and how shameful it is. Just go check out Jim Sterling's YouTube channel. Uh, it's It'll Those fucking you. Unity packages ones, though, like, oh holy cow. Unity like, in and of itself is a great, great engine. Oh, it's so cool. But the way people misuse it and the way people just steal assets and entire engines whole hog and throw them up on Steam for sale is just utter shit. Like, that's more shameless than I ever saw people get on Newgrounds. Yeah. Where people are just putting that one, like, Minecrafty FPS Ooh. thing. Up Ooh, yeah, with no changes and being like it's early access, even though I didn't make any of this. It's yeah, fucking gross. It's, it's just like, why would you spend a hundred dollars to put that up? And that's the thing is, like Valve, they're getting there. So they're getting they there. So why do they give a shit? Like, yeah, let the community be a fucking cesspool and let you know, like, pe- like good games get thrown under the bus for bullshit like this. As we lose faith in an entire system, and I'm getting too angry. Rhett, got any news for me that'll make me happy? Let's hear yes. some happy news. Here's some good news about early access. All right. Steam is now offering refunds. That's a great idea. And I think so that if you is. Buy the- some early access piece of shit. You can refund it. That's mm. one of the most use that's one of the most pro consumer things I think that company's ever done. Yeah, like ever done. Yeah. Like they you used to be able to get one refund on your account ever and they were so snooty like they're doing you a favor yeah they were just like you you, we will never do this again it is on file do not ever ask again that was so weird that's such a (laughs) shitty way to run a company i swear to god like how are this is so this is so funny because like y'all are like yeah fuck yeah and then like my entire twitter timeline was like oh this is gonna fuck over yeah, anybody so who makes games that are less than two hours long. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, this is pro-consumer 100%. Like, there are absolutely no downsides to offering this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They have really thrown indie developers under the bus with this. Absolutely. Like That's, the, that's another uh, thing. Unless that's... they did the one, unless they did the thing where um, refunds would come out of Valve's pocket, which I kind of doubt. Never. They, they didn't do that. No. Yeah. So, yeah, but... that... It's really shitty for people who make five-minute-long games or whatever. Well, I would question selling a game that is five minutes long. Here's the thing: I, thi- this I think this for is on itch.io for five dollars. I want to have, <laughs> and it used to be free on Newgrounds. I, I want, yep. I want 
I want to try and be positive and say that we're just like, we're right now like in the heat of this thing being new and that we're just figuring it out and that maybe some steps along the way will be able to help developers who create shorter games. Like maybe there's something that they'll be able to put in their game that could take it is just like, you know, like an achievement that says, Hey, you completed this and that the system could look at that and say, nah, dog, you've beaten this game. You mm-hmm. can't get your money. I want to hope like, I-, I can't say for sure. I just I want to be hopeful. Yeah. That's that's mm-hmm. all I can say is that I want to be hopeful that they're going to. That do would the be right nice. Thing. Or everyone will make sure that their game hasn't has. They'll pad them out so that they make sure they're longer than two hours, <laughs> even if it's that ne- not necessarily necessary. Yeah, yeah. So but, like, yeah, it's it's a really nice thing for like people buying games on Steam. Yeah. And hopefully, like, it'll make the big AAA publishers a little wary of putting out literally broken games. Yeah. Like yep. Mortal Kombat straight up did not work for like half a day. I think it was so longer than that. It was a disaster. So you can imagine they would have gotten a lot of refunds issued right there. It's like, it's like, it's either going to encourage developers to fucking finish their games or not release them on steam. <laughs> I would hope at this point, like, Steam is too big to it's ignore. It's too big to ignore, I agree. It's just, like, if you yeah. put out a piece of garbage and somebody buys it day one and it doesn't work, they deserve to get their money back. Absolutely. Yeah. You're like, fuck it, wait for the Steam sale. Yep. Stuff like Assassin's Creed that's kind of always a mess. This is always a mess launch day. Yeah. I do feel I do feel bad, obviously, for the smaller developers who will probably get hurt yeah, somewhat by this. People are going to get hurt by this, but right now we're so mm. early. Yeah, we're so early in it that we can't really make that assumption based on one or two anecdotal pieces of evidence. Yeah, because yeah, like right. the first person who kind of got fame by going on Twitter and bitching about it, like his data, if you've looked at it, was like so sketchy. Yeah, where he's like, Aww. I had eighteen sales and I got thirteen refunds, so I'm losing seventy percent of my sales. But like. <laughs> Then the Octodad guys also looked at their sales, and what they noticed was that all, like almost 80% of their refunds so far had been for sale prices that they hadn't offered yeah. in months. So like Valve says it's a, like a two-week refund period, but they were clearly going back like six months because it's yeah. a new feature. Yeah. So I think once we're a few months out from this, stuff will start to normalize and people won't be getting okay. refunds issued from super far away. And it is super weird that they did this right before the Steam sale. Yeah. Because it's, it's such a... You know, but, but at the same time, it kind of works because it's just like if you buy a piece of garbage, at least, you know, yeah. hey, I can get my money back. Yeah, so that's good, but I'm sure a whole bunch of developers are like, well, I made a million sales during the, st- during yeah. the Steam sale. Am I going to get to keep that now? Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's something that's going to take a few months to shake out. Until yeah. we know, you know, so... Uh, and I'm sure so many people must have just been, like, filing trivial stuff just to see Just to if see it if it worked. Right, right. Yeah. I was... I, I considered doing it at one point, but I was just like, nah, it's not worth it. It was funny for me. I looked at what I, I had bought in Steam in the, for, in the last six months, and it was like, Neptunia Rebirth 2, and nothing else. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'd spent like twenty dollars since January, and like sixteen Good of that Lord, was Neptunia. You've, you've you've got a lot of use out of that PS4. Um, I really January. have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you're like I've noticed that you haven't not been talking about Steam games much at all this year yeah. on the podcast. So it's just been like, yeah, you're big old console gamer, bro. Now, <laughs> I mean, I'm all right. 
So Steam refunds could be good, could be bad. We don't know yep. yet. But right now it's pro-consumer, and I'm okay with this. And just yeah. I'm, I'm hopeful that we can get everything sorted out to where indie developers can get theirs as well. Yeah. So, Considering every feature Valve launches lately has been like a fucking disaster, this yeah, one went okay. Yeah. This actually, you know, it, it hasn't um, imploded yet. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Any other news? Uh, the other news is that Desura, the company... Like the other indie online store before before itch.io kind of took over, mm-hmm. uh, they got bought in December or so. Yeah, and then apparently they didn't pay anybody since that happened. Yep, which was another story. And then they announced they're going bankrupt. Yeah, Desura is uh, done. That really bums me out. That bums me out yeah. too because I think that they were a really good. Uh, I have a lot of games on Desora actually, uh-huh. and a few of them aren't just from bundles. I like. I remember. I like like uh, Super Cyborg. I specifically remember buying from them uh, just on its own merits. Um, but there are a few other games on my account yeah. that you know aren't part of a bundle. Yeah, because I know people now. Since Greenlight became a thing and, like, Steam basically opened the floodgates, like, Desura did become pretty redundant. Yeah. But for a few years, in, like, 2012, 2013, it was a pretty essential asset for the community to have a place for these smaller games to go. Mm-hmm. Like, I got Super Wagon Adventure was on there, Bleed yep. was on there, yep. One Finger Death Punch was on there first, I think. Yeah. It's so, like, there were good games on there that did not were not on Steam for a while, and then Steam finally started letting stuff on. So it's... It's really sad to see them go. Yeah. In such a way. It's just such a shitty way too with like developers suffering not only because yeah. they're losing their they're not only because they're losing their, you know, marketplace, but also because like they haven't been paid for 6 months yeah. know, for anything that they've sold. Which I think given the way that site was going was basically nothing. Yeah. Like I don't think people ever bought on the store anymore. Yeah, that's really unfortunate. Uh I'm hoping, you know, Ichi.io can help things out a bit, um, get some more. Ichi.thekiller.io. Yeah, <laughs> I'm hoping that those can like that little that storefront in itself. Not only can be you know a, a cool little place for blossoming ideas, but can you know people with smaller games. Like I would like yeah. to see John sell some games on there at some point. Is that is that site just totally DRM free? Think so. Yeah, that's good because the scary thing about Desera going down is like losing that client and it's like yeah well, i can't re-download the stuff now are you kidding me actually like can't you just download every game you own in desura um from yeah. yeah i think you can just download it as a zip and just install it that way without needing the desura huh. client huh i know i did that with super cyborg yeah yeah i think they didn't really have drm but it's just it's weird knowing that it's going down probably pretty soon yeah because they're out of money the writing's on the wall unfortunately um, yeah Chapter 11, pretty big one. Yeah, yeah. Big old bold letters on that wall. And I think they owned Indie Royale as well. Yep. And, like, those people were like, oh, I guess I'm out of a job now. Like, the Twitter meltdown. Yeah, started. like, it was just like, they really didn't even sad. know. They didn't even know until it was, in, like, they found out from another news source. Like, yeah. oh, I guess, well, later, y'all. Yeah, it was like, oh, we had a bundle get to go today. Never mind. I'm out of a job. So, hope those people land on their feet. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, do you want to break my heart anymore, Red, or can we move <laughs> on to emails? There are no emails. There are no emails? <laughs> no. All right. Well, Mr. Poncho Smith, 
I want to thank yes. you for joining us here on our usually pretty terrible podcast. <laughs> and uh, uh, thank you for uh, being the only person here that can competently talk faith no more with me. <laughs> hey, you know, thank, thank, thank all you lovely folks for having me. Yes, yes. Uh, and where can we find you if we want to keep track of you? Uh, well, most of the time I'm kind of faffing about on Twitter. That's at Poncho underscore Smith. You know, did you, you want to find me on the Twitter book. Did you say fapping about? Faffing. Okay. I thought you said fapping about, because that would huh. be, be a whole well, new you, thing. Well, you can faff, and then you can fap at the same time. So, you know, whatever floats your boat. You I, I'm a, not, I'm not, I am not one to judge. A faffy fap. John Thire, where can <laughs> exactly. we find you? And I can... Farawaytimes.com. Uh, you were Rapids. saying Poncho? Oh, yeah. Hitbox.tv slash Ponchi, please. P A U N C H Y P L S. And Rhett, where can we find you? I forgot to mention this. Go to socksmakepeoplesexy.net to read the Gen 5 list. It's finally actually up. Yes, it's finally up. Yay! And it's a great list. There's a lot of surprises in there. And uh-huh. it has a surprising top. There's a surprise, so. yeah, like that. The, I did not expect that top ten to shake out the way that it did. I skipped the list this year. I, I wasn't feeling it. Oh, my apologies. Well, I'll, I'll try again. Be- I'll try again better. You didn't have a lot of time, uh, time to year. contribute. There's a pretty short window there. Where <laughs> Shut up. Send in entries to the list. And I'm Polly. You can find me fapping about <laughs> everywhere, <laughs> all over your face. <laughs> And, and remember, remember twitch.tv slash Eric's Joystick, Budweiser, King of Beers, uh, we're podcast that loves you, we're the only ones that love you. <laughs> <laughs>